Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April the 4th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my rescuer for the week. Caffeine Rage, and I'm not sure if I like where this is going. <laughs> on today's show, we will, of course, discuss the games that we've been playing. Total Biscuit and Jim Sterling paid a visit to Valve. Persona 5's devs threaten streamers. We Happy Few is getting a movie adaptation. PETA whines at Nintendo. <laughs> we'll have our weekly community corner and our weekly Steam discovery cues. Hello, Rage. And timestamps will be available in the show notes and the YouTube descriptions. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Thanks. Good catch. I think I'm like 50-50 on remembering that. So yeah, just every time I forget, feel free to barge in there with it. Actually, I'm probably a little worse than 50-50. Maybe like... 60-40. Yeah, 60-40 or or 70-30 or 80-20. I don't think I'm quite 90-10 yet, but... Well, there's always striving to, <laughs> to hit that ratio. So what have you been up to this week, buddy? Uh, Fighting the damn YouTube end card tool. And whining about it on Twitter. <laughs> that's that's the place to whine about things. That's where I do all of my whining. Yeah, let's just put it this way. Acid engineers were right. It's damn hard to get a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> because square he, peg in a round hole. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. My avatar on YouTube is a diskette, a, a floppy diskette. Um, on the end card, they have this round uh, circle... Yeah, like most circles are, mm-hmm. uh, f- with the avatar in it. But they cut off a good chunk of my avatar, so it makes it look horrendous. So I've been trying to get yeah you know, something that looks decent, or or try to get some video trick to get it to work, and uh, it's beyond my abilities. I, I think I'm gonna have to admit the feet on this one and come up with something else. Yes, I'm you know, the easier thing was just to leave fucking annotations in place, but no! Nope, YouTube has to change things all the time. Yeah, YouTube because. in 2016 was broadcast yourself. In 2017, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Thankfully, the uh, the Greek symbol for uh, the psychological profession fits within the circle, so I'm fine. So as long as I never change my image. You mean uh, as long as I don't make you another one? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that's the recreation I did for you when you lost yours. No, I think that that's the or, one that... Or I, I, no, no, I know I had to rebuild your avatar because you didn't have the files whenever I was uh, doing uh, show assets. Yeah, yeah, and then the one that you made was better than the one that I used, so I used <laughs> yours instead. So yeah, that's how that came about. But I'm never going to change it, because I don't change things. I have problems, man, with change. You have problems with actually doing things. I do. I do, I do. This week, too. 
so like all of well not all but most of the insanity from last week is is done i'm getting settled in and all that jazz into my new position but yeah most of the paper cuts have healed from uh (laughs) clawing your way out of the mountain yeah uh, there is oh well there will always be a growing mountain of paperwork that i have to fight kyle uh, it's been a long time since you've done one of your little post-it note drawings. I want you to draw me fighting a mountain of paperwork to keep it down because there's still a lot of paperwork involved because uh, I work with now with tons of insurance and government stuff, which there's mountains of paperwork with insurance companies and, and government-sponsored things. Or the other uh, solution is just, you know, a hand uh, under a just this mountain of papers. <laughs> no, but I want to win. I want to be winning. So far, I'm winning. Easy there, Trump. I, I came home with a huge stack of messy papers and things that I needed to put together, and they're all nice and organized and sitting in folders on the table, ready to go into my bag to take with me. Back. Yeah, tomorrow, you'll uh, forget them, uh, get halfway there, and it's like, oh, shit. I hope not. <laughs> but, so, yeah, since since last week... I mean, you know, we recorded, and then I had three more days of what felt like a never-ending nightmare of paperwork. Uh, and then now I'm back, and things are a little bit closer to normal. I have to drive a lot farther right now until we get moved, so a larger portion of my day is now dedicated to a, a commute, which is fine. It's more, more podcast, podcast time. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but still, that yeah. that takes away from some of my time. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not with the banana, right? No, that's still not fixed. Uh, it's it's uh, it's real sad, y'all. It's real sad. So, don't know when that's uh, going to be Have fixed. you tried just set it, leaving it on the counter, see if it ripens some? <laughs> it's sat outside in the rain and in the sunshine and in the cold. If it's not ripened at this point, it's never going to. Yeah, I think it's gone to rotten. Best throw it away. But yeah, so let, for those... let's go to the grocery store and uh, get a new one. Did I talk about the exploding piston last week? Uh, well, you mentioned that bad things were in the cylinder. Yeah, the one of the one of the pistons basically exploded. Okay, uh, I'm, and I'm not a mechanic, but that doesn't sound good. Yeah, I mean, I realize that's... that there's a lot of explosions in the cylinders, but usually the piston should be below the explosion, not the thing exploding yeah explosion i guess is the wrong term it it sheared and sprayed metal everywhere so it wasn't like an actual explode like nothing dramatic happened like shooting the piston through the the hood or anything like that i have well, that would have been happened uh, before uh, that, that would have been uh humorous and you should have uploaded that to youtube if it happened that would have yeah. paid for your uh, <laughs> repair work <laughs> yeah but uh so we were just gonna replace the the engine because we thought, like, the amount of labor that's going to have to go into pulling the engine, pulling out the piston, checking the cylinder, seeing if it needs to be lined, replacing everything, like, that's $1,500 or more. And we thought it would be cheaper to find, uh, like, a, a remanufactured, rebuilt motor. But no, it's not. When you drive a sports car, things like that. Or when you drive a sports car that's not a Mustang, things like that are incredibly expensive. It's, like, three grand for a remanufactured engine. Uh, five grand for a new one. So we were like, yeah, we'll just fix it. But fixing it takes a lot longer. So it's still not fixed. Shit's fucked up, yo. 
It is. It is. But, so yeah, I guess this will be uh, a nice transition to games. I have not had hardly any time to play games this week. <laughs> and you haven't played too many either. So this well, might, if we don't get sidetracked, this might be the, the shortest game section we've had in like two months. Uh, don't worry, I'll make for, for uh, next time. Uh, well, a lot of my game time was uh, eaten up by finding the YouTube end card tool, trying to make that look decent and failing miserably. Yeah, which, yes, yes, I realize. If I don't make it look decent, then it fits the rest of the content on my channel. But still. Oh, and uh, beyond that, I had a, well, I can't really call it a failed Sunday sampler. I just had one of those weeks that everything I tried just didn't click with me. And I didn't have anything really in reserve to fall back on just yet. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, happens. Uh, the only other, the thing that I had knew that was, uh, interesting was another visual novel. But the thing is that I just didn't have the time to do it because visual novels take a long time for me to do a Sunday sampler on. Even, you know, just a, the first impressions. I usually like to get through most of, if not a complete storyline. So, you know, that's usually several hours. Then, for visual novels, it's uh, not my off-the-cuff. I have uh, pretty much the entire script written out, which takes me a lot longer to do because I lack the writing talent to be able to knock that out very quickly. Right. And I also go through and revise things quite a bit whenever I'm uh, doing the editing and uh, just the recording of it in general. So I would say a, a visual novel Sunday sampler takes me a good two to three times longer than the usual Sunday samplers, even, uh, you know, from start to finish. And I just didn't have the time for the visual novel. That and I honestly didn't want to have two visual novels in a row. So really a lot of my gameplay that I did that I could actually talk about because I I did set up uh, a, a roller coaster Tycoon 3 this weekend. And I uh, got that uh, working because that requires a little bit of finagling, particularly, you know, getting the graphical settings working correctly because it's an old game and it does odd things with modern hardware. Let's put it this way. If you turn the bloom on with the incorrect video cards, uh, everything has this kind of nuclear glow to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes well with all of my playing a Fallout here lately, so... <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I can't make the water green. Otherwise, it would kind of fit. But I did have a couple of games. I played a little bit more of Faria. I played most of the free uh, single-player content. I've unlocked one of the paid uh, uh, campaigns just with the free currency that they gave me. And the free currency is uh, given on a login bonus. So, yeah, that's actually really nice of them. Like I talked about last week. Faria is very, very generous. And I played a little bit of Faria online. I have to say, well, I tweeted this out. A victory at Faria feels so much more satisfying than anything I ever did in Hearthstone. Bar none. And it's mostly from the fact that there's not a single I win card looking back at the gameplay overall for the couple of matches I did, it was my victories were I outmaneuvered them or I, I had a superior tactic or I did uh, something that wasn't just a single I win card. 
which is really refreshing because Hearthstone, I'm looking at the upcoming expansion that comes out this week. And I see so many pretty much I win cards or, you know, just complete turnaround cards. It After playing Faria, it's kind of off-putting, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I still need to play Faria. I, I think you would like it. Granted, the games are a lot longer, uh, just because of the tactical nature of the uh, board. And I think uh, the turn timer is a minute 30. Uh, I know it's uh, a fairly long turn timer, but because of you know, all the maneuvering and everything, it, it has to be, really. But it has some interesting elements. The closest that they ever really get to Hearthstone would be the Pandora mode, which is essentially their answer to the arena. And that is, they do have kind of eye-wing cards in that in their treasures. Uh, did I talk about the Pandora mode last time? Uh, You mentioned it, but I don't think you really talked about it. I don't think you played it. Uh, I, well, I played through a practice run. They give you a free pa- uh, practice run uh, a day, and if, or at least it seems like it right now. I, I haven't played it enough to be able to go through it because Pandora takes a long time to go through because you're drafting the deck and then you have at least th- uh, two or three matches to play before you run out that uh, run. But it's done just like Arena where well, only this time you have a choice of out of five cards for each draw. And on uh, uh, choice 10, 20, and 30... Instead of having five cards, you have three cards, and these are your treasure cards. These are absurdly powerful treasures that uh, are the, probably the closest that they ever get to a Hearthstone I win card. But even then, I haven't seen anything that is a definite uh, game winner, that, uh, not without proper setup of the board, which is where the entire game really uh, is set apart from Hearthstone for me. It's just uh, that board. But as you play a, a Pandora game, uh, as you go through the deck, you draw shards of Pandora. Once you draw, or once either opponent, either person draws five shards total, which the uh, shard, once you draw a shard, you also draw another card, so it doesn't rob you of your card draw. Uh, Pandora o- awakens, and then the treasures that you uh, pick during your draft shuffled into your remaining deck. And also the Faria Wells uh, that are on the board that you have to capture to gain extra Faria dries up. And the Faria treasures are very, very powerful. For example, they're the one that I used a fair amount was a 6 damage uh, with uh, anything adjacent to it taking 3 damage. Which six damage kills, I would say about two thirds of uh, all creatures. Only the most powerful of creatures are able to survive it. Okay. So, yeah, a very, very powerful uh, ability, but it requires a lot of land to power it. And that's the trade off. And it's also a fairly mana intensive card to use. But one thing I have noticed that I didn't really pay attention to originally was. Uh, the difference in health in that the gods, uh, your playable character, 
instead of 30 health, like in Hearthstone, you only have 20. So it really, once you get to the point where you're dealing damage to another god, it, yeah, that's pretty much game over. That's the end game. As a matter of fact, uh, the uh, game that I won, I didn't do any damage to him. I got him in a essentially in a checkmate position, and he surrendered. <laughs> and this was because I put a land uh, that I controlled so I could summon things on it adjacent to his god, and he realized he was fucked. And he <laughs> also had a non-non right there at him. <laughs> nice. But like I said... That is outmaneuvering him. That's uh, seeing a hole in his defenses and exploiting it. And that's why I really liked Faria and why I still like it. That you And they are also, like I covered before, very generous with their cards. Going through the single-player content, it feels like I'm actually competitive because I've gotten enough cards to be able to do things. And combine that with being able to go multicolor to uh, have a bit of flexibility... Which I was a little confused on what the difference between yellow and uh, blue, uh, because they're both movement colors last time. I played enough now that I found out that yellow tends to have flying and haste creatures. Flying is single uh, tile movement, but they can move over water. Blue uh, has a lot of jump creatures that is two spaces of movement. Or aquatic creatures that could uh, move through water or uh, a blue land, but they're blocked off by standard land if they're an aquatic creature. So there's the difference between those two uh, two colors that I was kind of missing last time, just because I hadn't played it quite enough. But uh, any questions about Faria? I don't think so, at least not until I play it. I mean... You know, like I said last week, you pretty much have sold me on the game. I just have to find the time to play it. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm really looking forward to... Well, I, if they could do a phone version of it uh, that works with my phone, you know, it would be a real winner for me because that's really the only time I play Hearthstone now is just firing up for the tavern brawls on the weekends because that's about the only time I can be competitive on it. And if they have a phone client for me... Yeah, that's pretty much Hearthstone gone. Because honestly, I'm enjoying this far more than I ever did Hearthstone. I haven't felt frustrated because I liked a card. Yes, there are analogs to other cards. There, There is a mind control card, but it is uh, essentially a, a version of mind control slash uh, power word uh, death or power word pain. Uh, yeah, it, uh, two uh, attack or less you're able to mind control it but it's also a very expensive card there's a version of polymorph but the thing is that the polymorph you may not want to do because it, it creates a frog which has a jump ability and it's a 2-2 so it's still a viable creature and if you're able to buff it you know you're able to take that and turn it against them so it's one of those things that there's a, still a Yes, there is the analogs to uh, a lot of Hearthstone abilities and a lot of Hearthstone mechanics, but it's changed enough that I feel competitive, even with my limited card set, and I've only gotten one Legendary so far. And even the Legendaries, 
Well, uh, here's the legendary I got. I got a green legendary. Uh, I blank on her name, but she's called the Relentless. Every time she dies, she goes back to my hand, but she gets a buff. At the first time I summon her, she's very expensive for her price. Second time I uh, summon her, uh, she's about average. And then beyond that, she's a very, very cheap creature for her uh, attack and uh, health. So it's one of those cards that you kind of want to sacrifice in order to get it again to get that buff. It's a very interesting mechanic for a legendary. And that's what the legendaries tend to be, is just interesting mechanics, but not instant I wins. Right. And there's still ways to get rid of that card. You could incapacitate her, you could frog her. You could just uh, block her off, so you're having to sacrifice her yourself and you're not uh, getting her killed. Which makes it so that you're wasting a lot more time to build her up. Because that's the thing about that legendary is that it's a build-up legendary. So there's a, a lot of interesting mechanics going on. Yeah, it sounds... I love the strategy aspect. I love that it's not so much about having the right card at the right time. I mean, I suppose if you go up against somebody that just has way, way, way better stuff than you, then it would be difficult to win even with better strategy. But in general, being able to... At least just yet, because I've looked at some of the cards in the crafting mode, which I've finally unlocked, which the crafting mode's pretty much uh, like Hearthstone. You're able to disenchant cards that you have. Well, in this case, more than three of, because that's the amount of cards that you could have, multiples you could have in a deck. Except for Legendaries, which is a single card. But I haven't seen anything that is truly uh, a I-win card. Right. And that's and that's the huge distinction, is that Hearthstone, it feels like... Uh, well, it feels almost like an anime of a card battle game. Aha, I've got you. I've activated my trap card. <laughs> <laughs> now go fuck yourself <laughs> you, you know okay. what I mean though uh, that uh, that feeling of uh, well I have this one card and that's going to win the, uh, the battle for me in this it's more trying to march across the field and taking land taking territory and building up your uh, essentially your army and the yeah. fact that they're also going to have co-op stuff uh, in the single player is going to be really interesting. And just the fact that the single player is so generous. I mean, I, I've, I've called it generous several times, but it's that's the fact is that the chapter of the single player that unlocked with the free uh, premium currency, it was 4,000 gold normally, which is the normal currency that you get, which is probably, well... Uh, just doing uh, the daily quests would be about a week's worth of content uh, or a week's worth of stuff. But you're getting that back exactly with just the chests that you get, the uh, essentially the booster packs. And then you get a little bit of extra gold on top of it. And this is on top of being able to do the uh, your dailies in that mode and the single-player objectives, which are completely separate, which also give you things. So it's one of those things that 
you don't go immediately into the multiplayer. You spend probably a couple days just in single player, getting a feel for the game and going through the single player content, get those uh, booster packs to unlock a lot of stuff and to boost your level to also get you the formulas to uh, kind of the blueprints for various decks that you could then modify. You don't have to use a formula. It's just one of those... Yeah, it's their version of the starter decks. Right. And it gives you more of an idea of what to do. Or different interesting mechanics. But that's also where the single player is teaching you. Yeah. uh, Teaching you... uh, Maybe it's not always the best to immediately go for the kill. Maybe you want to do something else first. And I will say that some of the single player content is damn hard. Right now I'm stuck on one of the epic level uh, single players. Where it has a special rule that after the uh, NPC's turn, every time he evolves everything randomly to the next uh, level up of mana. So a one uh, mana creature will level up to a random two mana creature. And it's just, you know, kind of ticking me over because sometimes I'll just get just terrible creatures for the mana cost and they don't trigger their essentially battle cry whenever they're summoned. So some of the creatures that I get or a lot of their mana cost is sunk into those uh, powerful battle cries or those useful battle cries. And that's kind of dicking me over. It's just one of those things that I haven't played enough to uh, get lucky on. But that's also a very particular chapter of the single player where it's teaching you to think on your feet essentially right sounds interesting I mean I can't wait to check it out whenever obviously I you can get the chance <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> alright what else you got okay well the only other game that I played at least in length that I could talk about was I played a little bit of The Great Whale Road and this is a game that really misrepresents itself on the Steam store. Because you look at it, uh, well, take a look at it right now. It's actually on my wish list. I've, I've looked at it before. Yeah. This looks pretty much standard RPG, uh, Banner Saga, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that's the vibe I got from it was very Banner Saga S. It's a management game. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's a management game with some RPG elements. And that was really, really, really off-putting to me. And that, and also the combat is weird. Uh, that that was also the other thing that was really off-putting to me, was that your, essentially your party has a loyalty meter to them. And the more loyal the uh, the people are, the sooner they'll show up in combat. So if you have a party that's not very loyal to you, you'll spend several turns... <laughs> <laughs> being by yourself, being beaten on by a mob of angry Vikings. And it's just, yeah, kind of off-putting. All right. That sounds like an odd mechanic. Although the fact that it's a management game kind of makes it more appealing to me. It was just one of those things I went into. It, it's like, wait a minute, this, this feels like a management game. And honestly, it... It's one of those that, well, there's a lot of people complaining about repetitive content in it, and I could definitely see where it's coming from, because uh, it's one of those that just, it's very FTL-like, almost, where it has uh, the random uh, events popping up, 
And yeah. I see that coming up a time and time and time again. Very, very easily if they don't have something to block it. And it doesn't seem like that they do, at least according to some of the reviews that I have seen on it. And also, well, let's put it this way. I fired up the game. I stopped. I looked. I tabbed out. I went to the store to make sure it was an early access. Because it's supposed to have three factions in it. Two of the factions are marked coming soon. Yeah. Well, alrighty then. Yeah, it's one of those things I, you know, I actually stopped and looked to make sure I didn't mess up because I saw that it went off of early access and that's why I was trying to play it. And it was one of those things, hmm. Also, something else that was kind of weird is that the tutorial, it's its one of those info dumps that doesn't really tell you a lot. <laughs> It'll It'll say, okay, now you click the end turn button to uh, finish off uh, your turn. But it doesn't point out that the end turn button is in a very uh, yeah, unstandard spot. <laughs> or the fact that, okay, they talk about all the stats, but they never point out which stat is which. And they just have little icons on <laughs> on the management screens. It's like, okay, you're telling me that these stats are important, but you're not telling me which fucking stat is which. Does it not have tooltips? Not that I saw. Oh. Well, that's annoying. It, it, it feels almost like an uh, an iPad game. Uh, which sounds yeah a lot more damning than I mean it to be, but you know, it's one of those things that it doesn't feel like it was really made for PC. Right, and that's the only thing I could really think of uh, that would kind of fit as sort of an iPad game. And it's just a very, very weird feeling trying to play it. Maybe it is designed for mobile, and uh, they're—I mean—they're releasing it on Steam because why not? But maybe that's their primary focus is to design for mobile. I have no idea. I mean, they they say it's uh, a seafaring RPG for PC. I humbly disagree. Hmm. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it looks neat, and it does very much like they've they're selling it or advertising it very much as a. Uh, um, they're trying a to Banner sell Saga. As, they're they're trying to sell as Banner Saga. Granted, I haven't really played Banner Saga yet. It's on my to-do list. It's one that, the Banner Saga is a game that I'm waiting for the third installment because it's a trilogy. Yeah, I've played the first one, but I haven't played the second one yet. It's a good game. Yeah, um, yeah I wouldn't wait till at least the third one is close to coming out before picking up the first one to start playing it, just so I can pretty much go through the entire story. But it's one of those that it you, this feels very misrepresented, and if they showed what the game actually was a lot better. Yeah, if they were showing that you were trying to manage essentially a settlement of Vikings instead of talking about the story aspects of it, then I would have went into it with a lot different mindset and wouldn't have been quite as put off. Granted, they are patching this game like crazy right now, so maybe in uh, a few weeks I'll try it again and just see how it does. But it just has a lot of strange design choices. Right. 
Okay. Which which sometimes strange design choices work out. This time it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. They may have also released it too early into early access. Well, obviously, if you know, two-thirds of the factions are not available. Well, what was it? Didn't uh, 8-Bit Armies, didn't they do that? Or did they release multiple versions of the game that all worked together? Um, I, I think they released multiple versions of the game that worked together, if it's the game I'm thinking of. I know that there was one that they released a bunch of different versions that kind of linked together into a more massive game. I think it's I think it's eight bit armies. A quick Steam search will. Yeah, because there's eight bit armies. Um, yeah, where here we go. Eight bit armies, which is the original like modern military stuff. And then there's 8-Bit Hordes, which is, uh, I think it's, that one's fantasy-themed. I think it's like orcs and, and medieval stuff. And then there's 8-Bit Invaders, which is sci-fi. Uh, and you can play all three multiplayers mesh, so you can be whichever faction you want for, for a multiplayer. So it's kind of it's kind of modular. Like, together, they're the price of a, like, it's $45 if you bought all three, but each of them individually are 15 bucks if you really only care about one of the factions. But originally yeah, that game released only yeah, as eight bit like armies. That, and they don't seem to be indicating that it's going to be like that. It's uh like I said, it's very strange. Right. I think it's one of those uh games that uh the developer has this particular vision in mind, but doesn't realize that uh the general gaming public uh views it as a different thing, as a different beast. Yeah. Which isn't a, a good or a bad thing. It's just, you know, how it is. Right. That's the image that, or the idea that people have about what the game is going to be. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, so well, uh, let's hear about Fallout. <laughs> yeah. So the only game I played this week, I mean, I did play some more Fallout Shelter, but like logging on once or twice a day to check on things, like no more fun, interesting ho- stories happened. I'm mostly just training everybody in Fallout Shelter uh, that goes out into the wasteland so that they'll be better and can get better I'm stuff. I'm just saying they're <laughs> playing my plot, of, uh, my overthrow of the overseer while petting my kitty. And running on the treadmill. Right now you're training uh, in the endurance room so that you have more health. Maybe I shouldn't do that if you're going to try and over... Uh, if well, you're gonna well, I am second in line, right? Overthrow the overseer. Wouldn't Katie be second in line? I guess oh, no, you two we'll can, have to ask her. You two can fight about it. She's got power <laughs> armor, but you've got uh, a Gatling laser still. Cause you still have the most the the best weapon, but she has power armor. So yeah, but she's also fucking brutal. <laughs> she is. Uh, she she's killed again in Rim World, by the way. <clears throat> Was it a colonist at least? Oh, sad day. But just yeah, nearly uh, uh, cut a guy in two actually. Uh, she's very uh, wicked with her blade. That's my girl. Yeah, she has a sword. <laughs> Anyways, though, so mostly what I played this week was Fallout 4. Uh, just exploring the wastes. I'm level... What level did I get to? 14 or 15? 
I I have done no quests beyond the very first initial quest that it makes you do once you leave the vault, uh, and the the settlement quest like that teaches you about building your settlements up, and then I just picked a direction and started walking, and uh, I've come across a few interesting things which I'm pretty sure come from mods. Uh, I didn't explore the entire map before, but particularly the area around where you start. I did, and I don't remember any of these things. So one of the interesting uh, do you have things... Wild Wasteland on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because so... uh, that that's always the best way to play Fallout, honestly. You find some some cool stuff. Like it was it New Vegas that had the Indiana Jones reference when he's in the fridge, uh, the skeletons in the fridge, and it's got the Indiana Jones hat. Yeah, and they also had the Holy Hand Grenade. I don't but, remember the Holy Hand Grenade. Was that yeah, in New Vegas too? Yeah, that was in New Vegas, and it did an absurd amount of damage, but you only get... I, I'm pretty sure you only get three. Because three is the number. <laughs> <laughs> I should watch that. It's been a while since I've seen the Holy Grail. And let's see, one other... Uh, well, there there was two other uh, Wild Wastelands that I could remember offhand. There was the a spaceship exploding. That's how you got the alien blaster. Yep. And then, and, uh, oh, uh, shoot, I'm blanking on the name of the, uh, expansion, the, uh, essentially Aperture Science one. Uh, there's a, well, there's two there that I can remember. There's, uh, uh, all the, uh, letters from, uh, the high school sign is stolen. And, uh, later on in the level, you find it spells out Wolverines! <laughs> I've never seen that one before. That's amazing. Yeah, and also, in that expansion, there's a bunch of dogs playing poker. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so, I stumbled upon... Are you familiar? Is, oh, sorry. Well, uh, sorry, I was just... <laughs> Old World Blues, that's what it is. I knew it was Blues, but I can't remember the exact title of it. Okay. Um, I need to go back you- and play New Vegas. Are you familiar with the Cult of Adam? Or the Church of Adam? I think they were introduced in Fallout 3. I don't know if they were in Fallout New Vegas. Uh, is that the people that were worshipping the bomb in Megaton? Yes. Then no. Okay. I- I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, so I was exp- uh, just wandering around and I stumbled upon uh, this garbage dump or landfill or something like that um and they were (coughs) excuse me all these barrels of radioactive waste piled up everywhere and there were no enemies just a bunch of of corpses lying around um and they were all female corpses so just exploring like looting the bodies seeing what they had useful discovering that these are all females and And just exactly how'd you do this by taking all of their stuff and then their clothes come off and oh look they they're wearing bras also you haven't modded the game too far yet no no i didn't do that uh i mean you know i have before but i didn't this time. <laughs> anyways but they're i mean they're all bald because they're just like hanging out with radiation so all their hair's falling off so actually you couldn't tell until you took their clothes off but uh, 
so just wandered around exploring, like getting some good loot. Walked into this little warehouse uh, building, and there's more radioactive stuff in there. And there's a a corpse of a, or th- there's a dead guy, uh, and a gun laying next to him, and like the implication that he killed himself. And uh, there's several bodies laying around him. Uh, that I mean, you you can't tell, but it's like the way that it's set up. It looks like he's killed them and then killed himself. Mm-hmm. And there's a computer, and you could read through the logs. And he's a guy who didn't believe in the cult of Adam, but thought that it was a good way to pick up chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that he would be fine from the radiation poisoning if he took enough uh, Radex and, and Radaway. Well, isn't that but how it works in the Fallout universe? That is how it works in the Fallout universe, but he ran out. Um, and then several of the the ladies picked up on the on the on the idea that he wasn't actually a true believer so they came to kill them or came to kill him so he killed them and then realized that he had radiation poisoning so he uh, then he killed himself and like all of this is in the logs yeah, he but, makes uh, one last log before he kills just, himself can he just get rid of the radiation poisoning uh he could i guess if he went and got some more rat away but then it wouldn't be a nifty little sort of cult thing Plus, he wasn't uh, able to bang any more bald chicks. Yep, that's very true. So that was interesting. Um, and he uh, he had a, a special weapon uh, that was a, a pipe. And uh, it was called the Punisher. So I could only assume what that was for. Oh, my. Um, and then also exploring, I found a graveyard that... Um, at first, it just looks like a, no- a normal graveyard with uh, headstones, and there's, like, one crypt. So I go inside the crypt, uh, obviously looking for loot, because, you know, nothing is sacred in these games. Loot could be anywhere. And there's this shrine. And plus, you didn't have a shovel to steal from me. <laughs> and there's a shrine inside there. And I'm not sure... This is probably a reference to something else in Fallout, but it looks like this guy is worshipping some kind of... Um, ghoul like that's what the shrine looks like and uh, i'm exploring or like looting the place and i trip some kind of alarm and these two raiders come out of nowhere and they just start screaming like uh get out thief get out and i don't leave so then they start shooting at me and i kill them and i loot their stuff i still i still don't know what the reference is i i meant to look it up in the wiki and see if there's actually it's actually a reference to something but i haven't done that yet so, those are those are two my my two most interesting finds on in my travels. Fun times. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to talk about in Fallout Four because I haven't played it yet. It's on my to do list. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go find the uh, the Brotherhood and just like power through that quest line. Because I mean, I'm. I pretty much always side with the Brotherhood of Steel, even when they're not doing the right thing. Because um, sometimes they do things that are a little bit shady. Sometimes. Because it's like they're on one end of the extreme. Uh, but still, I they just give remember you... The, I just remember the Brotherhood being dicks in uh, New Vegas. Yeah. They pretty much are on Fallout 4 too, unless you side with them. And then there are only slightly less of dicks. Then, yeah, but then they give you, like, lots of power armor stuff, 
and they're one of the only places where you can get access to unlimited fusion cores which are what power the armor now because it's not just armor that you wear it's like a little tank you get into and walk around in which in some ways is neat and in some ways is incredibly frustrating because it requires maintenance and you can't just like get in power armor and go everywhere yeah, I mean, anything that has stairs, you know, you're just looking at it, it's like, fuck. <laughs> but there are certain parts, they do do, do do, hey. They do some interesting things with it, like story-wise. Some of the places that you have to go, they're like, well, because power, power armor confa- uh, confers more benefits to you than just armor and extra strength. Uh, it's got like a, you can go underwater in the power armor and definitely... And you can, uh, it has... At least until your power runs out, then you're, then it becomes a coffin. It Then it does become a coffin. Uh, actually, you can still move power armor without the battery, but it's very, very slow. It's like a manual pneumatic system, lore-wise. It's like, oh, your batteries ran out, but you can still limp this thing home by cranking all the hydraulics. Get on, push. But the power armor has like a really high radiation resistance and flame resistance, so... Certain places that they that you go for quests, it's like, well, uh, you should you should probably take some power armor if you have it, because it'll make this a lot easier. Otherwise, this is going to be very painful, and you're gonna become a mutant from all the radiation. I like the way radiation works in Fallout Four compared to other games, the other Fallout games as well, because before in the other Fallout games, you have basically your ra- a health meter and a radiation meter. And as you get more and more radiation, more and more bad things happen to you until you eventually die from radiation sickness. But in Fallout 4, uh, it basically just takes away from your health bar. So the more radiated you get, the less health you have. Which uh, kind of works. Yeah. it's it's It lacks some of the interesting things that you can do from the other Fallout games. But it makes it much simpler and easier to track. So Yeah, it's like... Ooh, well, I only have, yeah, just a sliver of health. Uh, time to take some rider away and stop banging bald chicks. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you put on power armor, he'd be okay. But I don't know how he'd bang bald chicks through power armor. Because I think if you cut a, hole, cut a hole in it, it would kind of defeat the purpose of the power armor. Uh, simple. Uh, uh, he brings them in with him. Power armor for two. Oh, my. So, yep, that's all. Power the- armor's rocking. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's all the games I played this week. <laughs> Fallout 4 for, like, six hours. It's probably going to be like that. I don't know. I'm going to try and intentionally play a couple other games this week just so that I have more to talk about for the next podcast. But I really am sucked into Fallout 4, and I wish I had, like, 50 hours to just sit down and play it. But it is kind of nice to just play it for, like, an hour and a half or two hours at a time. And it's like, all right, I've completed what I set out to do in this play session, and now I'm going to stop. Like, there's this weird sort of, I guess it's not weird. It's just like, normally whenever I play games like that, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go until I can't play games anymore, and I'm like falling asleep at my desk, and then I'll pick up where I left off tomorrow. But now I set like a little to-do sit, or a little, uh, make some little to-dos, and it's like, okay, got to do this, got to do this. And once I complete those things, it's like, okay, I played for an hour and a half or whatever, I completed what I set out to do, and that's that's it for now. Which is kind of against the way that they design open-world games these days. I know. Because, honestly, open-world games is such a time sink. Yeah. 
it's really refreshing to play that way too and i'm super glad that i went with like all of the op starting gear because like i said last week my main purpose is just to explore and relax uh, doing all of the stressful stuff that's go- that's going on and so not having to worry about anything it's like my 10 millimeter pistol is so powerful it can kill most enemies with one hit and so it's like just playing the game on easy mode essentially and it's fun I'm sure, like, I've found a few enemies that take multiple hits to kill, and I'm pretty sure that, like, as I continue to level up, well, I mean, I know as I continue to level up, that advantage is going to go away as the enemies I'm fighting uh, become on par with my equipment. But for now, it's still pretty OP, and I'm just exploring. Well, it gets rid of the annoying starting area, right? I mean, that's the big thing, right? Pretty much. Well, that's kind of how it is with all the Fallout games, at least the ones I've played them. To be fair, I've only really sunk time into 3 in New Vegas. But it's always that initial, I would say for 6 hours in the wasteland, that's probably overstepping it. But it really depends on a bit how lucky you get and just, you know, what you can find. Uh, Just uh, that initial hump of getting on par where you're able to take out things. Yeah, yeah, it definitely erased that. Um, I've been playing in this new game for, I think my save says I've been playing for about nine hours over the last couple of weeks. And, um, it took probably seven of those hours to, until I found a creature that took more than one hit to kill. But I know that when I get to the super mutants, whenever I stumble upon some of those guys, they're super tough. Uh, and the scents are I'll really just tough. Shoot in the dick. <laughs> Shoot him repeatedly in the dick. Oh wait, that's what I've been doing in uh, Halo. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I said, those are all the games I played this week, or the all the game I played this week. Uh, so much for this being a short ga- uh, games we played. Yeah, I know we we stretched it out. We didn't make it to to an hour though, all the way to an hour on games we played. So it is shorter than the last few. Yeah, we'll have to fix that for next week. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I only have a few games in my library that I can play. Yeah, only one or two, right? Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, let's... Unless you need a break. (laughs) I'm alright. The question is, do you? Uh, Might as well. I need to fill up my water. So... So, we'll, uh... we'll take the elevator down to the news section after this. I need to get some more elevator sound effects. And we are back from our trip through the elevator. Uh, And it is now time to talk about the news. And our first news topic of today, uh, Jim Sterling and Total Biscuit paid a visit to Valve. And they discussed many, many, many things related to the future of Valve services. And it's important to note off the top, both Jim and TB said this, and I think it's important we do as well, that a lot of the stuff that they were shown was in the development or some of it even in the concept stage. So while we're going to talk about this stuff, it is certainly not written in stone. Yeah, uh, that's the thing is that, it's one of those things that 
uh, it feels almost speculative uh, for some of it because it's just in the concept days or uh, just there's so much that could be changed in the between now and then. That, that's even assuming it does come out. Right. So there's a big list here. Do you want to just go down the list and talk yeah, about things? And- yeah, let's just go right down the list because they do bring up Steam Direct uh, right off the bat. We're going to be using the Tech Raptors uh, kind of breakdown because I'm not sure how long uh, Jim Sterling's video was, but Whole Biscuits was over an hour. Yeah, Jim's video was about 25 minutes, I think. Uh, he's TV yeah, got which really is, uh, long-winded about certain portions. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's TV's thing is that. He is very long-winded and in-depth on a lot of things, so yeah, that's kind of why I prefer him, to be honest. Right. But plus, they both focused on different things. Uh, TV spent a ton of time on the... uh, Let's see, the... The curator system. Yeah, well, Uh, he has the uh, two of the top ten curators. Yeah, and Jim did not hit on it very much. He focused more on the Steam Direct and Valve's new potential like security measures uh, for dealing with things like, for example, uh, digital homicide and then like trying to sue Steam users and suing Jim and all that other stuff. Uh, he spent some time talking about that and that Valve is going to be introducing introducing some protections into the Steam Direct system to help deal with that. So he spent a long time talking about that because that personally affected him. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, let's just start at the top of the list or with the first thing on the list: Steam Direct. So, this is essentially opening the floodgates. Yeah, um, there was no so okay, so there was no confirmed number, but Steam did confirm that the price to put a game through on Steam Direct was towards the lower end of the estimates. And they still hadn't completely settled on the number, but I believe it was Jim who speculated that it will still be close to the $100 figure. Yeah, which is pretty much what Green... Well, that is what Greenlight uh, charges right now, so it's essentially uh, bypassing the entire voting process, which uh, on... Yeah, it's tough to really talk about if it's a good thing or not, because yeah, the, the Greenlight process is so flawed... It's just yeah. one of those things that uh, some developers just give out a bunch of stuff to get uh, keys or to give out keys to get votes. Uh, there's uh, really good games that just don't get the uh, attention because you know they may have a very bad title or just not really good assets. Or they're just in the uh, concept phase when they originally put in, uh, their stuff on green light. And that's the thing is that there's a section on green light for concept. And yeah, people look at the concept stuff and think, well, this doesn't look done. Well, no shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm reading the TechRaptor article, and they did do a couple of things that I am don't quite understand why. They've got some of the things related to Steam Direct down here in this good, the bad, and the fake. Because uh, I'm about to mention the fact that Valve uh, told TB and Jim that they actually employ, or are, they do employ, or they're going to begin employing... Um, a company that is going to check all Steam Direct submissions to ensure a certain base level of quality control, like does this game have uh, an executable file? Does this game have uh, directly stolen content? Does this game have assets that load properly? Does the game even 
even if it has an exe will it actually load on a variety of different machines and things like that yeah so, what's the fact that this isn't the standard now for steam it's sad yeah it's very sad um i but, i mean, I, I there's a lot of people that have different varying ideas on where valve should step in on just what they cut off on steam but i think a baseline should be the game fucking runs yeah i mean it's hard to argue below that right yeah like minimum to entry your game must actually work but i mean there's has been tons of examples in the last year or two of games making it on steam through the green light system or whatever and they don't even launch or they have viruses in them that's another thing that that i think it was i think it was jim it might have been tb that said that the their their new QA team was going to ensure that there were no viruses. I don't, I've never heard of a virus getting through. I have seen a couple where uh, the game didn't have an ending. There was one where a YouTuber was doing a Let's Play of a uh, early access game. or, or It wasn't early access. It was actually a full release, now that I think about it, a new Greenlight release. That he got to a certain point in the game and just had a black screen and said, yeah, we'll fi- uh, essentially saying, we'll finish the game later. <laughs> no indication of that whatsoever on the store page. Fun. No, I've actually bought uh, a game on Steam that had a virus in it, and whenever you installed and launched the game, the the virus uh, went out and corrupted many files. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before on the show. I didn't recall that. It, it I, was. I, um, I may have just blanked on it though. Yeah, it's a. I don't even I don't know if it's still on Steam or not. I can't think of the name of it, but it was a train uh sort of battle game where that you it, it was is a real-time strategy game where that you had to uh build like war trains and things and that was how you moved everything around the map. Um but when you launched the game, it launched the virus and then, you know, you had to go through and fight a virus. Rail Wars? Is that what it was called? I don't know. I could spend oh, there some was time an anime called it, but... Real Wars, but it's completely different. Yeah. I think that game's been remo- removed from Steam, actually. I'd be surprised if it hadn't been. I mean, it, yeah. sound, uh, I mean, it sounds familiar. It's just one of those things that, yeah, yeah well, we've been doing this show for a while, so it's kind of all blended together. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was like a, I think it was a, an older game that had been remastered and put on Steam. And I was one of the first people that bought it because you know how I am about trains. And uh, discovered it had a virus in it and immediately reported it and all kinds of stuff. And it was on the store for a while after that. The devs claimed that they had fixed it, but more recent purchases, people were complaining that the virus was still there. So I assume it's just been removed from the store at this point. Yeah, that... I'm I'm just shocked that there that yeah the standard it wasn't there in the first place to be perfectly honest yeah so direct interestingly in the article direct gets huge coverage but it's honestly not the thing that I'm the most interested in because we've known about direct for a while and there's still plenty of speculation I mean basically all they said was like yeah we're gonna have this QA team so that all, now that games can just be listed willy nilly. Uh, we're gonna guarantee that they will at least run and don't have viruses. Well, that's and the thing is that. Uh, a lot of direct requires uh, a lot more of the store to function a lot more smoothly because 
that's where well that's where we got the discovery key uh, uh, segment from when it was you know kind of poking fun at just you know what the discovery queue shows yeah so something else that they put here in the section about steam direct that i think is fascinating and i think deserves its own segment in the article but that steam is basically gonna open up the floodgates on all of their data on like who buys games and why well, not their sales here. data directly but uh, no but everything else basically so that you can see why a game is being recommended to you and uh, i'm sure there's going to be a lot of a lot of collectors and things like uh, oh, steam spy steam charts like we'll be able to oh, incorporate that you, data you could already hear steam spy sal- salivating over this yeah it's pretty exciting I'm actually really excited about it too, just to see. Like, I've always wondered, like, why did this game show up? Because about the only thing you can tell is it's like because it's similar to this game that you played. I think that shows up already, and I think because your friends play it. But yeah, still, which, just kind uh, of with at least a couple of my friends idling, that doesn't exactly sell a game. <laughs> yeah. So, but it it would still be nice to basically open up the hood or pull back the curtain on a lot of that stuff and see how their algorithms work. Uh, just honestly, for me, it's just morbid curiosity. I'd take some time to look at some of that data just for fun. Uh, You're just sitting it, there go, yep, that's data. <laughs> nobody said anything about this so far, but it would be interesting if you could go in and kind of view your own reports and get different uh, like statistics and things on what you purchased and like see what they predict you're going to purchase like not just why but like see what they think you're going to do i'd love to be able to go through all that stuff i'm sure you could data mine that out i don't know if that'll be available to you if i look at mine it'll be like i don't know i don't know you have so many games (laughs) i mean what the fuck is this why do you have this yeah can let's let's take another quick pause the kids in there crying I don't know if you can hear him or not. I've heard something in the background. Yeah, I thought he might stop after a minute or two, but... All right. Everything okay? okay? Yeah. He he just kept saying, I want my bunny. I was like, your bunny's right here, kid. And he was like, okay. And then he rolls back over. I want the other bunny. Oh. Okie dokie. Anyways, uh, back to it. So, yeah. Uh, I kind of like stopped us what i thought would be a good <laughs> yeah. transition point to move on to the next section but yeah the is there anything else you want to say uh, not really i mean steam direct is still very much a question mark and it really depends on a lot of these other systems working depending uh you know if it is a good idea or not so let's dive into explorers okay i'm at, i'm the, really excited about yeah, yeah, this, this is idea the, yeah this is the explorers. idea that i really like but at the same time i would really really prefer if they offered a discount because it sounds like they are not what it is is essentially a, a list of games that didn't take off and didn't meet a certain sales uh, expectation now granted where this sales expectation comes from is a good question because are we going to be talking you know uh, Square Enix. Well, we expected Tomb Raider to, swell, to sell 20 billion copies yeah um so tv implied that uh the explorers program was something that you had to sign up to yeah yeah it's going to be a sign up or opt-in program uh, at least right now that's what they're uh, concept- uh, conceiving it as 
that uh, essentially you dig around uh, this list for a hidden gem and uh, to play it in you will be uh, given some sort of survey or something after a certain amount of time and also possibly have a properly moderated which why do they not do this for other forms Eh, that's another question for another day perhaps but a form to talk about these games and try to organize uh, playing together for multiplayer games and trying to just to you know find the hidden gems of uh, Steam. Right. So the Explorers program right now, uh, in their current conception of it, is one of the perks that you get for it is that you get uh, a refund that doesn't uh, that basically is like you can refund this game no matter what, no matter yeah, how no, many hours yeah, you no played it. Yeah, no strings attached. Or, uh, yeah, which is huge. Yeah. Because I mean, for it, a lot of games, yeah, the two-hour mark is not it. I mean, granted, if, are they saying no strings attached to the game that you're getting off the Explorers list or, or for your account? Because that's two very different things. Yeah, so far that hasn't been hasn't been mentioned. Uh, I assume that it would be just one of the games that you've purchased that was an Explorer title. But I think that that would be a good perk or incentive to get people to actually participate is you could get rid of any game. Uh, refund any game. Uh, I'm thinking I'd refund No Man's Sky. Yeah, I was about to say, and the uh, ownership of No Man's Sky just plummets. I, I'm sure plenty of people would sign up to do that just to refund No Man's Sky. I've <laughs> and I've you like I've got to imagine that they think or that they could see that coming. So that's why I guess it would probably be limited just to the Explorers program games. But still, I think that would be a good park. You know, yeah, I would like to see, or... uh, well, assuming that they don't do this already, but your Explorers list, depending on how they generate it, mm-hmm. uh, have some sort of discount on it. So yeah. you're, you're, it's not, you know, uh, here's a list of full-price games that don't have a player base whatsoever. You know, give me a, you know, a 25% discount. Give me a 50% discount on these things. You know, yeah. Entice me to uh, play it. Yeah. But maybe that's just me being a cheapskate. I don't know. No, I think that they need more incentives like that. Like, whenever I was listening, particularly to, to TB talk about this, because he spent a long time talking about the Explorers program, uh, I kept thinking, you know what? A good reward would be discounts or free games or some sort of point system. Like, uh, you know, you play a an Explorers game and you get so many points. And then when you get enough points, you can basically buy or get games for free on Steam with those points, or use the points to, to purchase games and things like that, or even like direct deposits to your Steam wallet. Uh, although some of those things could might Be- conflict with different laws and things, because at that point, if they're actually paying people, then yeah. they become some sort of employer employee relationship. So maybe just like a, a coupon for a free game or something like that. That would be an incentive instead. But still, something like that. I think that would be a good system. Uh, there was also talk of having like special badges and other Steam sort of visual perks for it, like emotes and things. And those are pretty neat. Those are kind of secondary for me. I mean, I would appreciate the badge and the Steam level just to get more trading card packs. But uh, <laughs> I'm getting them pretty regularly now. I've gotten my Steam level like close to 30 and I get one every two weeks. Yeah, now. mine is pretty much non-days like clockwork. Yeah, mine. Occasionally some... I'll get a ten. Occasionally I'll get an eight, but it's usually non-days. Yeah, mine's like between like twelve and sixteen days, I think. So roughly every two weeks, I get a trading card pack, which is nice. Uh, but anyways, 
uh, actually, I had uh, two in a row. Like uh, within like three days, I had two trading cards. But that's like an anomaly, <laughs> you know. I never had that. Yeah. Within I've also three days, only I got gotten two one uh, foil out of something like thirty, thirty-five booster packs. I've only ever had one or maybe two foil cards total from booster packs and from just getting trading card drops. Uh, I've gotten uh, quite a few foils, but then again, I've also you know, gotten a lot more cards. Yeah, you've got a lot more games. Yeah, right now I'm eligible for uh, 1,015 booster packs or games nice. for booster packs. Nice. But the thing um, is that yeah, that number doesn't seem to really have an impact on just how often I get the cards. I've gotten them uh, at pretty much the same rate since I've started keeping track when I hit level 30. Which is interesting. Yeah. So Valve also, it seems, has some sort of intent of using the Explorers program to kind of serve as a, a pseudo-replacement for Greenlight, uh, relying on the community to sort through the games, but doing it a little more properly by like giving them incentives to do so and hopefully curtailing well i mean they are taking steps to curtail the sort of well, business I'm and i make air quotes with that well that, what i'm seeing the explorers program as as basically as just a hotbed for youtubers to find just hidden gems to start up recording on yeah i'm just excited to find hidden gems i mean i've got a large steam library and a lot of the games that I purchase, I purchase to trade trading cards for, or, you know, it's like, oh, it's all these games that I've played before and I want to have, or all of these games on my wish list that are really cheap and I'll buy them and play them. But, you know, the times that I really find those hidden gems, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a game that I love and I will play this for a long time. Like, gems for me, like Factorio and KSP, because at the time, you know, especially for KSP, I was not connected to a community. I just happened to stumble upon KSP organically and it's like holy crap this is one of the most fun games i've ever found and so that sense of of discovery which i think that's why they call it the explorers like you're exploring exploring games trying to discover things like i love that feeling and so a program that's designed to help me get that feeling a little more like get my high get my high um but i you know i'm my my big thing is just you know how do they generate the explorer uh game list to begin with that's going to be you know where makes or breaks this entire program yeah because if it's just sort of a weird new spin on the discovery queue then it'll be garbage but if it's a curated list of games that meet certain criterias then it'll probably stand a, a better chance of being successful and hopefully it's the second one and not the first one yeah, so moving on to curators. Yes. Something the, we've uh, completely neglected for ages. Well, and I mean, honestly, the truth... What, and honestly, with all the talk about them changing the curator system, has it really incentivized me to go in and uh, spend the time to catch it up? No. I mean, honestly, the current curator system is just stupid. TB yeah. went on for like 30 minutes of his video about the curator system. And like you said earlier, of course he would, because he's got two cura- He's got the number one curator... And, and then like another the one in the top seven ten. Or eight. Yeah, I think the frame rate police is. Last time the... I looked, it was in the uh, lower portion of the top ten. Okay, so yeah, like the top five. Uh, well, it was. Uh, uh, well, I'm lower is in the uh, the second half. So. Okay. Uh, 
How do you just view the curators on Steam? Uh, well, I'm just searching on Google to uh, find them. Uh, okay. Let's see. The I'm not seeing the frame rate police on here. It may uh, the frame rate police may have dropped. All right, top curate. Here we go. Top curators. TB is number one. Yeah, the frame rate police is number eleven now. Okay, so they're just outside of the top ten. Yeah, they've uh, dropped, uh, but still a hundred. 16,000 with uh, the next one up being RPG Watch, which is 122,000. Yeah, so... But TB has pretty much... Well, he has almost exactly double of PC Gamer, which is the number two curator. Yeah. So, uh, the curator system, the... It's just awful now. It's just bad, and that's one of the reasons it's time-consuming to go in and do it, and the fact that it just sucks is one of the reasons that I haven't gone in and worked on it in months. But I like some of the new changes that they're adding, or, or some of the new changes that they're saying that they're going to do, uh, allowing basically allowing you to actually curate your curator list. Yeah. Because basically, if you want to change something now, you have to go into your list, and there's no way to search, there's no way to sort or separate. It just goes by... Uh, most recent to oldest and you have to just go through the entire list to find whatever it is that you want to change click on the thing go in there make your change save your change and for any changes you have to make you do that have to do that for each individual item so you know for for us like our purposes for our curator list was just to like list the games that we've talked about on the show before and have recommended for sales and things like that and just say yes or no here's why basically and we probably wouldn't ever go change those but for someone like tb or some of the other big curators who might go in and change their ratings based on or their recommendations based on updates and things like that the system is just impossible to use you basically would have to employ someone full-time to do that for you like that would be their job because it's so time consuming but now they're suggesting or they're saying that they're going to add search functionality and i believe tb suggested ways to sort through by specific tags that you create for your curator system. Yeah, and he also talked about essentially uh, a subsystem of the curator. He called it essentially buckets, where you could uh, sort a bunch of games into this well, for one of his examples was the top 10 games of 2016. Have his curated list of that as a sublist in his curator. Right. Which I would love, because then we could have your list and my list, and then yeah. we wouldn't have to put like next to it, you know, our names or initials or whatever system it was we were using. So, I would love that. Yeah, um, it's just one of those things that it's very, very. Why the hell did they not do it like this? Yeah, it, it, it's it's the system of Valve where. It, this is probably one guy had this idea and had a small team and they just threw it together and it wasn't really put through its paces like it would have been in another uh, company. Yeah. So uh, a lot of these very basic quality of life features that would have been caught in internal testing or during the beta phase of it uh, just aren't there because you know, that's not existent in Valve. Yeah. Uh, I believe also it was uh, actually this one might have been Jim saying that the, the on, when he talked about the curator list briefly saying that uh, he believed that 
people who manage curated lists should, should receive some sort of incentive or reward as well. Because even even with the changes, it still would be difficult to make a curated list and things yeah. like that. And, you know, basically he was saying that, like, look, we're the we're the people who sell games now. We're the influencers who sell games now. And curated lists are part of that. And he, he wasn't advocating for, like, tons of free games or whatever, but just making it part of an overall Steam reward system to kind of link in with the, maybe the Explorers or, or some other things on Steam uh, that could all add up to the same overall reward system. Which I also agreed with. I mean, it is a lot of work to to put in a the curation list and with their whole new... Um, now, granted, there are some curators that's a lot easier than others. Like, there's the curator that just says Hordor. <laughs> yeah. The Hodor curator. Which, I mean, that's just a big joke, you know, and that's haha, very funny. I get that, but... Which, uh, that kind of uh, goes uh, with against the argument that TB was talking about, how uh, he wants the curators to essentially be box quotes, but at the same time, the drug curators kind of negates the entire idea of, okay, why am I seeing a curator that uh, his entire thing is Hodor? Why? I think that the joke curators would be less of a, a thing if the system itself was more serious. Like, I mean, there would always be some people who are like, haha, look at me, lol, memes, dank memes, you know, all of that. But if the system was more serious and had more tool, you know, more utility to it, you would see less of that. Yeah, well, I'm just l- looking at the top curators. And, yeah, some of these are completely useless. I mean, one of them is essentially a list from uh, a YouTuber, just yeah, all the games that he has videos on. Yeah. With nothing there other than, hey, check out my video for this. I did a video on this. Right. I mean, you would see some of that too. And But again, I think if the system was a little bit more flushed out, you would see less of that. And I mean, you know, honestly, if, if someone's going to do if, that. If, then... if, they're go- if they're going to have it where, uh, like TB once, where the curators become a box quote and then you can follow them to see the box quotes more often. You need a curator for the curators. <laughs> you do. You do. Valve needs a lot more uh, curation. curation. Yeah. And quality control, which we'll talk a little bit more about that. Towards yeah, the end that's of the coming list. up. But, um, you know, that's kind of the answer to all of Valve's problems, honestly, is, hey, do some work yourself instead of trying to count on algorithms in your community to do it all. Which, um, guess what? For, what, what we've talked about a lot. <laughs> algorithms and uh, algorithm and community i know i mean if the community that's I, I think both tb and jim said this like if you're gonna have your community do this work for you then you need to incentivize them to do good work and give them the tools to do it so i think that this all of this stuff so far has been a step in that direction if they actually follow through on it and implement some some more of the features that both jim and tb suggested which valve did not have on their radar at the time and, uh, I mean, to get, you know, to really get into what we're talking about, I think you should just go listen or watch both videos. Uh, TB's is a lot longer and more in-depth than Jim's is, as, you know, their styles allow. And yeah. they each focus on sort of their personal pet peeves or their personal pet projects. But uh, if you're only going to listen to one, I think you should listen to TB's over Jim's, just because it goes a lot more in-depth into the systems. 
Uh, but Jim also has some unique yeah, perspectives and things that he says as well. So, yeah, particularly uh, on the lawsuit angle of things, uh, TB didn't touch on that at all. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to some of those protections and things and the way that they're changing the system to, to fight back against some of those things in a minute. That's towards the end. Actually, I think that might be the last one. No, it's not the last one. It's the second last one. But anyways, so yeah. Uh, anything else to say on the curation changes? Uh, not really. Okay. Uh, next is one that I'm excited about. Uh, uh same here. The, the key mailer system. So... Uh, the yeah, way this it is works, uh, essentially, uh, well, trying to dip uh, a lot of the gray market in the bud. Right. So a long time ago, and you An can account still far, far away. You can still have one of these accounts, uh, but I don't think that they do them anymore. Uh, as a press account, a Steam press account, which lets you have access to every game on Steam for free, so that you can review it or do whatever with it. Uh, but those accounts were abused at one point in time so Valve stopped doing that forcing developers to give out keys uh, to be activated on Steam if anybody wants to uh, or if they want anybody to review their game or cover it or whatever but obviously that has been abused as well people uh, impersonating other YouTubers or Twitch streamers or sort of setting up fake accounts uh, that look like you know they have more users or listeners or whatever and uh, contacting these devs and being like, hey, yeah, if you send me a key, I'll review your game or play yeah, on my Twitch uh, stream. Yeah, me and, and my then, buddies would like to uh, try out your game. Can we get uh, <laughs> you know, five or six uh, pieces of the game? Oh, right. sure. And you know, that ends up on uh, gray market sites, and uh, that's a pure profit for them and a uh, loss of uh, review copy. Right. So what this does is that it allows uh, game devs to basically give people copies through Steam. So that they no longer have to pass out these keys, which I am very happy about this. I'm not, they're not a hundred percent, uh, or I don't think I, TB or Jim said how specifically this was going to work. If there was like something you applied to, or if it's just a company wants to give you a key, you give them your steam account. Yeah, this is something. Uh, yeah, but, this is really going to come down to just how they handle it because right now for my <laughs> channel, I run through two different companies that or essentially a third party that uh, handles the in-between between me and the uh, and the uh, developers giving out review copies. Well, actually, it's usually the publisher, but sometimes the developer. Uh, but how would I be able to get into this? Because right. that's the real thing. I mean, if it's just going to be for the big YouTubers, for the big Twitch streamers, you know, this doesn't impact me in the slightest. It may actually hurt me in the long run. Yeah. I'm I'm really hoping um, that what this system is is that it's like something you can apply for, uh, like a status you can apply for, and you submit your information to Steam, and then you get maybe like a tag or something on your account, or you know some kind of a flag that's like okay this person is legit, they have a, a channel or whatever, uh, they're cleared for games, and then you can just directly request like hey look this game looks interesting, I'd like to play it for my channel or to talk about on uh, our podcast or on whatever. And then the uh, devs can review and and decide if they want to give you one or not and then just activate the copy through Steam for you if, if they choose to, to do that. Because I think that would be the easiest system for everybody. It would be quick and convenient uh, and it would um, not... You wouldn't have to constantly like be submitting applications. And then it also gives the devs some control because... It, for example, you know, 
we, you and I, like we swear and you know talk about adult things. If a game dev doesn't want their what, game, what, we fucking swear. <laughs> yeah, if a game dev doesn't oh, want shit. their game, you know they want their game to be say in a more kid friendly environment. I would totally respect a dev to be like, you know what, you know the what the your guys's content is is not for me. I want my my game to be more kid friendly or whatever. You know, I totally respect their decision to do that, and I think that's a legitimate reason. And so that gives devs some control. That gives us, uh, the the users are on the user end, I guess is is the way to say that some some control, um, and just smooths the process. It also, I think, would lessen the chances for abuse because if it's just a free system where it's like if you qualify for this, you can access these games, that could be abused uh, with like the Steam's family share program and stuff like that. Uh, or even just like, oh, I'm never well, going to buy imagine, another game again. Yeah, I would imagine the press copies would not be eligible for family share if they did this. You would imagine, but you might be wrong. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I don't want to... Because this is a Valve system. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. But uh, then I'm... Uh, well, to give you an example of my itch.io press account, I have uh, a press account there that has a lot of games. Grand... Yo, there's a lot more shovelware than Steam. Well, at least I hope. But at the same time, you know, I have open access to a lot of titles here. Yeah. Granted, there's really no way to sort them, and that's why I don't use it nearly as much as I probably should, just because you know, it's pretty much just a raw list of the newest uh, handful of games, and you know, I could dive into it a little bit more. But at the same time, it's... Uh, having an open account uh, has its benefits and drawbacks because you know, it allows me to go in and uh, start looking around to see you know, what options I have but at the same time it's uh, ripe for abuse like you said so there's definitely you know, merits for both individual keys and just having the old style press accounts which uh, uh, it's just comes down to really we can't have nice things <laughs> Yeah, because there are shitty people. We can't have nice things. I do. I think that this is a step in the right direction, regardless of whichever way they go with it. Um, and let's just hope that it's like two steps in the right direction instead of only one, or two step instead of two steps forward and one step back. Let's just keep it at two steps forward. Would be nice, but I, I'm I, I'm almost half expecting this to be like one step forward, one to the side. And you put your uh, right foot in, you take your right foot out. <laughs> Do the hokey pokey. You turn yourself around. Yep. And then there's a dozen um, unsupported Steam features. <laughs> um. Okay. Anything left to say about that on your end? Uh, not really. This is another one of those that really, really nice in concept comes down to just how they handle it. And they also talked about tying this into the curator system, which once again, okay, we have two people that run the curator. I'm, and I'm, if I recall correctly, I set up the group. So, uh, you know, does that mean I get everything? Does that mean that you get everything? Do we just both get stuff? Uh, do we have to set that up? Uh, assuming that it's tied to the curator, uh, just in general, you know, it's one of those things. Oh, there's a lot of questions here. Yeah. 
Good point. I didn't I didn't think about that specifically. And I'm sure that there are other curated accounts that have multiple users on them. I mean, I can't imagine that like TB, for example, does all of that curated stuff by himself. I know TB has a staff for other things. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. a PR guy and um, he's got a guy that that uh, does like editing and stuff for him. Like, I could imagine that he has a guy that goes in and actually puts stuff on his curated list. It might even be like a really trusted community member from TB's community. Like, does that guy get all the games? Would TB get the games? Who knows? Oh, it's Jesse Cox during his downtime. <laughs> He's just sitting there in pink underwear. Jesse Only Cox pink is- underwear. Jesse Cox's curator is in the top 10. I think this is like number eight or number seven. No, that's just when he copies stuff from his, uh, from TBs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesse. I love you, Jesse. But Jesse has kind of grown on me after uh, watching some co-optional. Granted, don't uh, watch his stuff uh, individually, but still. I, 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 I don't hate him like I used to. So, yeah. progress. I like just about everything that Jesse Cox does. We're having an aside. I like just about everything really? that Jesse Cox does except his Let's Play stuff, which is like what he's most known for. I love every podcast he's on. I love the YouTube videos that he does that aren't Let's Plays where he discusses topics or does Q&A or things like that. Uh, and I like a lot of the stuff, that he, the content that he puts out when he's at conventions. But I just don't like his Let's Plays. Well, what's wrong with his Let's Play stuff? Uh, they're just... He's super completionist, and so he has, you know... Uh, he'll just sit there and try to get something over and over again. Yeah, he's like, for example, for his last series on um, Dragon Age, the Inquisition, he had like 35 episodes that were in the starting area. Damn. Because he was doing like, like he 100% things, and I find that incredibly boring most of the time. Uh, that's when you start looking around for something sharp to just slit your wrist to end the pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, uh, as you're dying, you just write on the wall, Jesse's fault, and uh, just flop over dead. I blame Jesse. And, and people are like, who the hell's Jesse? Do you know <laughs> yeah. a Jesse? I don't know a Jesse. Yeah. Okay, quick aside over. Um... Are you ready to move on to the next section? Yeah, the good, the bad, and the fake. It's fake games! Yeah, so, uh... Those games that I personally like to buy, because you you (laughs) make money on the trading cards... Well, well, that's that's the thing, is that that's why they exist. Uh, The, well, the bundle that you bought for a dollar that had 50-some games in it. Yeah. Yeah. So Valve wants to... And I can see why Valve wants to do this. Valve wants to get rid of these games, like... Someone beat it, finally beat it into their head that, like, look, Valve, you are a a storefront, a business. The products that you carry are a representation of you. And all of these games that are just meant to be farmed for trading cards, all these little businesses that have popped up, you know, to get games on Steam and to, to farm tr- for trading cards and things, like, that looks really bad on you from a business standpoint. Like... You're just yeah, if I wanted anybody... to look at uh, just shit uh, games, I would uh, fire up the Windows Store. <laughs> oh, sick burn. Um, or uh, Actually, more truth. No, 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 that would be broken games. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, so so Valve is finally said, okay, we want Steam to be to be a place where you go to get 
good games, premium games. You know, we want to be known no longer as a place where that we just will carry any old shit. You know, we carry good stuff. So they're they've uh, they've labeled these games as fake games, and they're working on making changes to uh, not necessarily remove the games from Steam, but wreck those business models. So they're going to make some changes to the trading card system, and nothing has been hammered out yet, but the ideas that were floated by TB and Jim were that, one, there's sort of a, a level that you have to hit before trading cards unlock for a game. Like, either sales levels, like the game has to sell a certain amount, or it has to meet a certain quality standard, uh, or be yeah, listed this is on for a the, certain the developer, price. Not the players. Right, yeah, the developer, not the player. Or the game has to be listed for, like, five bucks before the trading cards will will activate on the game because the games that do this you know that that make money off of the the sale of trading games dollar games yeah yeah dollar or less basically uh and so they're you know saying well like the game should its base price should be you know five dollars or whatever and then trading cards will unlock because you know nobody's gonna make money on that people aren't gonna buy the games to make money from the cards so the garbage games in theory would would die out um They've also no, going no, back they to just their, all go anime. <laughs> the also going back to the the QA team that we mentioned before, like to check games. Like one of the things they're supposed to that they've said they want to check for is uh, asset flip games. Well, they well they said that they wanted to, but they can't determine whether a game is an asset flip or not. Yeah, I don't buy so that. They, for a so they well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is that. There's a difference between a game having assets from the Unity store and being just a trash game asset flip. That, you know, one is just build out, you know, uh, in a day or two just to be able to get more trading cards to, in the system to be able to make money off that instead of the game itself. The other is, you know, using a shortcut on what could otherwise be a good game. Yeah. So if you just put a blanket, well, this game has this toilet out of the Unity uh, store. So, uh, you know, it's utterly shit. Well, that's not entirely fair because, you know, uh, uh, this one game could have uh, the toilet be bought from uh, the Unity store to put in a house that is for a survival horror game and they reskin the toilet to have it. Yeah, look all rusty and everything. But because it has the toilet, they think it's a shit game. Well, I mean, it is a toilet, so it is, you know, pretty shitty. Ah. No, I see what you're saying, but I guess the way that I'm taking that is that this is another one of of Valve's deals where if they just had one or two people, that that was their job. Like, if a game, for example, a game gets reported... As an asset flip game. Can you imagine that being on your resume? Well, I was uh, I worked at Valve. I checked to see if games were uh, games or fake games. I would love to put that on my resume, actually. I would just focus on the I worked at Valve part. Oh, but, yeah, but what did you do at Valve? I mean, what, what was your position? Quality control. I was a quality control officer. Really? Valve has quality control? Wow, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. But see, that's... Uh, anyways, if you exist... That's the thing. Um, if they could do it as a system, like a game could get re- be reported for suspected asset flipping, 
and then there's a guy or a couple of guys or whatever, and that's their job. Whenever a game gets reported, they could go look at it because it's it's not too difficult to look up the assets on the Unity store and and find the assets that are in a game, and then someone can determine like, I and usually pretty easily, I think like, okay, this is an asset flip game or just like a garbage game that's using these assets to shortcut to try and make a quick buck or whatever versus okay this game is using these pre-built assets and you know maybe they could have done a better job or whatever to hide that fact but the game itself looks like it has some work put in it and these guys probably aren't artists again though that's the the issue of well if valve actually had some some quality control and a few more people doing this sort of work it wouldn't be a problem yeah, so that's Valve what I'm had saying. quality control uh, seven, eight years ago. A lot of this wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't buy for a second that Valve actually can't tell. I do believe that Valve couldn't tell if the assets were stolen or not. I mean, that's pretty much impossible to tell unless there's something. But yeah, unless in, they in, like, call the, up Unity or something. Yeah. And even then, it might be difficult to tell uh, depending on, you know. Uh, where records and things go and if someone didn't do or if someone did a good job hiding it or whatever you might be able to tell like for example how pirated games sometimes do weird stuff like the patch and eye patch and alan wake if you pirate you the, mean game, the like, awesome patch the, yeah the awesome patch but uh you know these assets might have some bits of code in them that work like that but yeah but most likely not usually the assets that we're talking about is essentially 3d models that's yeah. that's what people usually think of when they th- talk about asset fl- uh, flipping as the 3d models out of the unity store yeah um but that i mean valve said that you know what is a bad game is by and large pretty subjective as long as the game works you know some people might like derive some kind of weird pleasure from playing those crappy games so jared (laughs) yeah yeah i do i do i do so they're not just gaming masochist that's your new youtube channel the gaming masochist i can handle that uh so they're not going to go through and just like blanket remove tons of games uh but they're going to make it difficult if not impossible for people to make money yeah they're attacking trading card they're they're attacking the the business model not the game itself which is the smart way to do it because otherwise you start getting a lot of games that you know may kind of fall into this but not really games that uh go on sale very cheap or sell very cheap in general yeah and i have played some of these games that i think are intended to just be that that I actually have found some genuine enjoyment in for a, yeah, a short you're bit of weird, time. So that doesn't count. I am. I am. And I would be sad if they all went away. But yeah. Uh I'll I'll be happy when they, they get rid of that. Or when they do that. Because I think it'll make the store environment a, a better place. It'll help to unclog it uh, unclog some of the garbage that clogs it up. So, moving right along to Steam support, or did we want to talk about the uh, the copyright issue, uh, the, the, or the trademark issue that, uh, you said Jim Sterling mentioned, and uh, since I didn't watch his video, I didn't see that. Yeah, we can uh, we can talk about that now if you want. They kind of mentioned it in this article right here. Um, 
See, I'm like I'm very quickly reading through this article to see what they say. Um, uh, well, they link it mostly to the fake games, mostly because yeah, that's where the uh, the seedier side of the Steam developers typically lie is either the uh, developers that just really shouldn't be the public face of a game company or the ones that are just making money off the trading cards and uh, attack people whenever they call them out on it. Yeah. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. So some of the predictions that, that Jim suggested was a sort of strike system where that whenever these developers go through and do things like try and quell criticism by wiping their... Uh, their forums or their reviews or uh, whenever they like change the name of the game or something, they get strikes and whenever they get so many strikes, the game gets removed from Steam or gets a tag on it that that the developer can't remove that calls them out for trying to silence criticism. Uh, And Jim was also pushing that Steam has a, a sort of legal protective system for anyone who, um, action gets taken against them by these developers like for example in his lawsuit with digital homicide uh that it took them suing valve before valve did anything to them but it in the case where that they actually went after jim for um doing things that were covered under uh fair use fair use and and free speech and things like that that you know whenever that happened steam should have taken action until the legal uh, battle was resolved, which would have removed all of their stuff from the store a lot sooner, or at least locked it down. Uh, and Steam seemed, or not, Valve seemed to be supportive of that, that they wanted to have a system in place to prevent developers from um, lying about their games, from removing legitimate criticism. They don't want to make it so that someone who's abusing the system doesn't get removed, but that already happens fairly, fairly regularly. People who are genuinely abusive and things like that uh, can get reported and blocked. Uh, well, so. uh, well, these developers are really a symptom of something that Valve didn't foresee with the trading card system, just in general. That you know they didn't foresee developers making a business model off of trading cards. They were expecting maybe the uh, the gamers would get a few bucks uh, here and there, not you know entire development teams making a living off of them. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't see how that anybody could not see that coming. Everything. Valve. Maybe this is just, like, the cynic in me, but I've, everything is always exploited all the time in a system without rules. That's the problem with pure capitalistic systems, why they don't work. Because human beings find ways to exploit the system, rise to the top, and stay on the top. That's why the, the free market doesn't actually rule. But that's a, a debate for another time on another podcast. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's basically it. Jim went in-depth a little bit, uh, like, with some of the things that he said to them. And he basically was like, you know what? I went overboard, overboard and I shouldn't have said some of the things that I said to them. Like, he stepped out of character and, like, genuinely apologized. Like, you know, but this really has negatively impacted me for over a year. And I kind of had my one chance to to lay it all out to to valve and so i did he he said he got so angry that he was like clenching and shaking and like he banged on the table one time and nobody stopped him 
So I, I think they all agreed. But and regardless, they hugged it out. I would love to hug it out with Jim Sterling. Oh my! <laughs> He's a naughty, naughty boy. Um, Spiking Tom. But uh, but so yes, Steam is going to put some type of protection system in place, but they haven't decided how strict versus how lenient they want to be. So. I'm not sure if I want them to be more strict or more lenient. I think anything is better than what they have now. But I don't want to see devs getting uh, wholesale removed from the store just because they did one dumb thing. Which I think is why like a strike system would work well. Yeah. Well, it really depends on what that one dumb thing is. I mean, if you're threatening the life of the CEO of the platform you're selling your game on, yeah. Yeah, I mean... That one's that one's fair. I think if you threaten anybody's life, that one's a, a yeah, fair but, case. Yeah, to but, just the, it, but that I mean that's one level of dumb, but it's a whole nother level. Just to threaten the life of the CEO of the platform you're trying to sell your game on. I mean that's dumb, dumb. Yeah. So, uh, are you ready to move on to the last issue of Steam support? Yep, uh, this one is actually kind of a short one, but also it seems like it's uh, somewhat in effect already because there's a lot of people reporting that Steam support tickets are being answered a lot quicker than they used to be. Yeah, so Steam... Granted, uh, you know, uh, before Steam support tickets could be measured in eons more than anything else, but still. <laughs> yeah, so uh, apparently... Uh, Valve now has contracted with two external companies. I don't know why they're using two, but who knows? Backup. Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, or maybe got... one. Uh, maybe one is more of uh, technical support, and the other one is more uh, just general. It might be. It also might be something related to like do, do, time do. zones or something. Uh, possibly. Or... Uh, maybe one is something like uh, U.S. or European based, and the other one is in India. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, they've got two support companies that are handling the bulk of their support tickets. Uh, and then a, Valve has an internal team that handles the stuff that just can't be scripted out, basically, to support companies. So, um, and I thought it was funny in Total Biscuit's video. He's like, they were there. I saw them with my own eyes. <laughs> they exist. Uh, so, there was a split intern. I haven't had to put in a support ticket in a while. Um, the last one I put in was towards the end of last year. Uh, I had a game that just wasn't working. Uh, and its name was No Man's Sky. No. I mean, yes, but no, that's not what that <laughs> ticket was about. Uh, Didn't you I, put in for support to get a refund on No Man's Sky and <laughs> they turned you down? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, but I, the game was Starship Corporation. And it had been working fine, like I had been playing it, and then something happened, and it just quit working. It was related to like a backend update that they pushed that they didn't say anything about. Ah. Um, and so we, we got it working. Corporation's on my list of games to try out at some point. It's a fun game. Uh, a lot well, more management, a lot more, yeah, lot more a, spreadsheets. It's a, than, yeah, it's essentially a, it. a building game as well. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so, and, and that took forever to get resolved. I think it was like three days before they responded to me, my initial ticket, 
and then it was like a couple of days between responses. And then it was, well, sorry, but you're past your two-week window. Well, I've, I'm way past that. I bought that game like last May. Um, but so at that point in time, if they were using those companies, then uh, those companies were doing a really crappy job. <laughs> but well, before I, uh, I think it was on uh, Gaben's uh, AMA on Reddit at one point, he was talking about uh, training companies to be able to handle support tickets. So uh, I imagine. It, does take a fair amount of specialized training to handle uh, what uh, Valve has to put up with, essentially, from us. Yeah, and I suspect I, I, that... I, I, just imagine just the variance of support tickets that they could uh, uh, see. Something from, uh, you know, CSGO-related uh, to, you know, random ancient uh, game just not working on modern OS. Yeah, I'd say that Steam or Valve gets hit with a ton of support tickets every day, just based on sheer user volume. I mean, they have one of the essentially most popular online services. Uh, uh, definitely on PC. Uh, I- I'm pretty sure console still beats them on pure numbers-wise, but, you know, uh, you know 12 million at peak. You know, I'm sure they see a few. Yeah, yeah. I mean... What's what's one percent of twelve million like, and that's just their active, you know, peak. I'm active pretty sure users. that's more than forty-two. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm doing some quick math. Breaking out the Thank calculator. Filler music here. There we go. Uh oh wait no that's one point two million so I need to add one more zero <laughs> yeah that's one percent of twelve million is one hundred twenty thousand so yeah which um I really doubt one percent of people yeah one in a hundred is sending in uh, tickets yeah but I mean you know even a half of a percent would be sixty thousand and that's just peak users so does it, it steams over a hundred million users total right. Uh, I have no idea on total user numbers. I mean, it's well, twelve million, yeah, peaks, and that's, and that's on a weekday, you know. Yeah, let's see. According to VG twenty four seven, in two thousand and fifteen, Steam or Valve announced that they had over one hundred and twenty five million active Steam users worldwide. Well, technically, they also have over 125 users. That would be true. That would be technically correct. That would be technically correct. Uh, and at the time, the concurrent peak was 8.9 million. Yeah, and right now, concurrent uh, is hitting 12 million repeatedly. Yeah. So, that's uh, that's a pretty pretty decent chunk. Yeah, that's, that's a few over, people. That's probably over 150 million active users. So, yeah, yeah, just a couple. So that's pretty much through the entire list. Um, I I'm excited to see where this goes, but it really depends on, like we've talked about, just how they could incentivize people to do some of these systems because that's where Greenlight fell down. Is just they couldn't get people to do it, so 
you know, the companies that were cheating the system uh, stood out and got through a lot easier because, you know, they were the ones making the uh, vote counts needed. Yeah. Also, uh, TB and Jim both said that, you know, they were the first, but Valve told them that they were not yeah, going to be the last. Not the only. Yeah, it's not going to be just in the hands of Jim uh, fucking Serling, son. Or Total Biscuit. It's going to be in more hands. And you're you're over there chuckling that I said that, right? <laughs> Jim for fucking Sterling, son. Yeah. Uh, also, Jenna went, which is uh, mm-hmm. Total Biscuit's wife. I don't know. Like, nobody well, ever the... mentioned her saying anything. So I don't know if she just went with TB to help with, you know, his health stuff. Because he did recently have surgery. Yeah, well, uh, well, well Jenna is actually... Uh, technically, Total Biscuit works for Jenna. Yeah, yeah. Jenna is the CEO of of what? What's their company? Biscuit Corp or whatever it is. Yeah. So. So, uh, yeah, she was there in a business capacity, but uh, we, we don't know you know just what was going on with her. Yes, yeah, I don't think she put anything uh, on her I, YouTube I a, channel. I have a feeling she was just there holding back Total Biscuit. It's like, no, no, be nice, be nice. Too bad don't nobody. Be, don't be that cynical. <laughs> yeah, too bad nobody was there to uh, hold back Jim. I, I don't think anyone could. He can be incredibly reserved, like when he's not in. Maybe in they, character. maybe they just need to have you know like a park ranger sitting there with a tranquilizer gun. <laughs> yeah. Something that that could knock out a bull moose in 10 seconds. So, yeah, Jenna has not posted anything on her YouTube channel. Her last video was from four months ago. Yeah, which is just Total Biscuit eating random shit, isn't it? Mostly. Which is awesome, by the way. Or she makes him play, like, Honey Pop. Because TB doesn't really like those sorts of games. (laughs) But Jenna will make him play. I'm here against my will. (laughs) Which makes him even funnier. Oh, here's a video called Total Biscuit is the Prettiest Princess. That's from three years ago. Which we know that's, that. which we know that's not true. That's free toss. <laughs> oh. Speaking of which, we're going to have to kidnap free toss at some point, aren't we? We should. I've, I've thought about... I've seen him on Steam a couple of times in the last week, and I thought about chatting it up. I'll get but, the rope. But uh, I've just been really tired and not sociable. You tired? Nah. Okay. So, shall we swiftly move along to something else? Yes, let us move on. Uh, our next news topic, the Persona 5 devs threaten streamers. Yeah, this is uh, late-breaking, at least, I think. Uh, this is uh, just uh, really coming along, and... Oh, what the fuck, Japan? Yeah, this is just another case of they just don't get it, so... Uh, well... Let's just put it this way. This is probably the most professional press release I've ever seen. Oh, wait. No, wait. What's the opposite of professional? Well, besides us? Uh, Digital homicide. Uh, Okay, this is the most digital homicide uh, press release I've ever seen. (laughs) It it is. It is, though. They basically are telling you not to stream past a certain part of the game. Otherwise, they're going to... Yeah, I did do a little bit of research just to see how far this is. The game starts in early April. 
Uh, well, uh, per- the Persona games, they follow essentially a day-to-day cycle, and the calendar ticks off uh, to show you where you are in the game. Uh, the game uh, start date, at least from what I was able to find, uh, most of what I found was the Japanese origin, I think, uh, was uh, in early April, and they say, uh, please limit uh, uh, your uh, content past the in-game date of 7-7. If you decide to stream past 7-7, I highly recommend not doing this. You have been warned. You do so at risk of being issued a content ID claim or worse, a channel strike slash account suspicion. Real fucking professional, guys. Yeah. I would expect this from Digital Homicide, honestly. Not this. Not uh, Atlas. Yeah, I mean the gist of it is they're trying to they're tr- they're trying to limit spoilers. But yeah, here's the trying... thing: here's the thing is that we live in the age of information. You're not going to keep spoilers off the internet. It doesn't work like that. You dumb fucks. The only way to not have your game spoiled is to just not release it, and then no one can spoil it because no one can play it. Or just scare off all your uh, possible customers, which they're really in the process of doing so. Yeah. I mean, well, let's put it this way. I went through and uh, delisted every single Atlas game I had on my wish list, which I had a few. Uh, either them uh, developing it or publishing it. I wonder how many I have on my wish list. And shame because a couple uh, a couple of them I actually liked. How do you search for developers on Steam? I just uh, searched uh, uh, their name and uh, picked out a game, and uh, they were the publisher on it. But yeah, th- uh, Japan does not get the internet. I mean, Nintendo's made this abundantly clear. And this is even worse than Nintendo. Nintendo just, you know, uh, takes your content and makes money off of it. This, they're outright threatening. Yeah. Threatening to DM- give someone a DMCA takedown? Yeah, a D- uh, DMC takedown or copyright takedown. Which, honestly, the copyright is even worse because that is a copyright strike. DMCA, you know, that could really vary depending on, you know, what the status of the YouTube channel is. But the fact that, you know, this could take someone down, someone's YouTube channel down. Here's the thing, is that, okay, let's, uh, uh, hypothetically, I'm doing a uh, series on this. Granted, I definitely wouldn't, because, one, I don't want to touch this fucking game with a, a 10-foot pole now, and two, it's a PlayStation game, and, you know, uh, emulators for PlayStation 4 just isn't there yet. But, Okay, I have a series up, and I'm well past 7-7. They find my channel. They hit every single one of my videos that are past this point. Three strikes, you're out. There's no... Well, you uh, have a bunch of videos. That's one strike. No, that's three strikes. You are fucking done. Period. Fuck you, Atlas. So, I don't have any games... Of theirs on my well, I don't list. anymore. I own Rock of Ages, but yeah, I, I do too. And, and I took a Rock of Ages too off my wish list. Well, I mean, I I own the game, so I can't 
un. Well, no, I had uh, no, I had the second uh, game on that series uh, on my wish list, and I took it off. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, but this kind of pisses me off, as you may have guessed. I can tell. A couple of these games are pretty crappy. A couple of these games I've never heard of, and a couple of them are all right. Atlas made or published God mode. Ugh. <laughs> that was a really boring, I'm, I mean, generic uh, horde well, shooter. It's not very well, good. I, I know. I've seen the videos of it. <laughs> okay, I'll 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 stop now. You can. Well, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that this game's been out for a while in Japan. I'm pretty sure this uh, policy was in place uh, for that. As a matter of fact, they say this being a Japanese title uh, with a single playthrough story means our masters of Japan are very wary about it. Obviously not wary enough to uh, scare off the customers of Japan. Looks like it released September 15th of last year in Japan. So about six months? Yeah, six, seven months. Yeah. Uh, where were their threats then? Nowhere. Apparently. Man, that's a big difference in release window. That really only happens with Japanese games anymore. I mean, there's usually a couple of days that are tied to the old physical, you know, worldwide releases, but Yeah. Japan's the only only region that I know of that has massive, massive I mean, I'm really hoping that this is some holdover uh April Fool's joke or something. But considering this was released April 4th. Like maybe they got the date wrong or they don't understand April Fool's in Japan. So instead of 4-1, they thought it was 4-4. Four, four. Or uh, they think that, you know, uh, everyone's uh, celebrating Hitler. So they released uh, uh, something uh, praising the Nazis on 420. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, that's my go-to joke because uh, that's actually Hitler's birthday. Is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Uh, last year or the year before, it's like, okay, what terrible joke can I make? Uh, what happened on this day? Oh, it's Hitler's birthday. Well, there we go. <laughs> that works. Nazi jokes it is. You go to Nazi jokes a lot, though, so it's fine. Yeah, but uh, do you really not see that coming? But um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, th- this is just me being angry at this uh, because it's outright threatening. I'm, I-, I would expect this from a small indie company that yeah is really really worried about losing a couple sales. But honestly, the potential sales that they lose are way outgained by the free advertising that they get from YouTubers and streamers. Right. I mean, that's the big thing. They just do not understand internet culture. Poor, poor Japanese people. Just don't get it. Well, if we wait them out long enough, they'll just go extinct. <laughs> oh. Uh, what does that mean? I can't tell. 
Are oh, you okay. actually asking, uh, or is that rhetorical? <laughs> a little bit of both. Ah, uh, nah, that's fine. Uh, so, shall we uh, move along to something else completely insane? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, we Happy Few is getting a movie adaptation. Yeah, once again, pretty... Oh, I, I have to be careful uh, this time of year just to make sure I'm not getting a bunch of April Fool's jokes. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, we Happy Few... Uh, well, if we had the category for last year, it would be my greatest disappointment of the year. Just because of the category, or the genre it is. <laughs> yeah. So I love at the bottom of this article on their like little quick take or the little summary section, mm-hmm. it's, remember when we actually had to wait for the game to come out before <laughs> inevitably mediocre film adaptations were announced? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, there's not really too much to say about it. We Happy well, Few looks like an interesting no, I, game that... It's an interesting game if it was a completely different genre. I'm not convinced that they could sell the story with it being a roguelite survival thing. And that's the thing about it, is that there's a problem of pacing with those games. Yeah. I really hope, though, that this does really get made into a movie, because Jim Sterling plays a character in We Happy Few, and I would just love to see him on the big screen. I think that would be hilarious. But yeah, it's but they probably... wouldn't have Jim Sterling. They would have someone fill in that role, assuming that you know, that's you know, relevant to the story to begin with. Because here's the thing. This game is not finished. We don't know the story. Yeah, that's true. And uh, even if we do know the story that exists now, like what little of it there is, it all could change. Yeah, early <coughs> access is such a weird beast in general. I mean, we have physical copies of early access games out there. Uh, I remember seeing pictures of space engineers uh, being sold as a physical release. Space engineers at this point, though, is... This was two years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. This was a, a year or two ago, something like that. But, you know, when it was... There weren't planets on the uh, in the game. This was uh, before that. It's just one of those things. Early access has attracted a lot of strange business models, and a lot of them, or uh, well, some of them are just a little questionable. And having a movie, I, I mean, I mean, I'll give it a shot if they could actually make it work. But the thing is, how are they going to? tie this in. Is it going to be a story in that world? If so, that kind of makes sense. But if they're just telling the story in a movie, aren't they also kind of hurting their sales when they've already hurt themselves uh, by just releasing a game that really no one was expecting nor wanting? Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, well, I was I'm pretty sure I was either watching uh, Total Biscuits commentary of it or watching, you know, it after the fact, him just to snark song of the E3 uh, uh, coverage. And he was talking about how this game looks fucking incredible because they really sold it like it was going to be the next Bioshock, where it was going to be an atmospheric, linear game. Then it was Survival. Yeah, uh, yeah, rogue light survival. It's just 
wow, this is not what I wanted. I did not ask for this. <laughs> I mean, I'm not wanting to write it off uh, just completely. It's just video game movies have a certain stigma, lack of quality about them, usually. Yeah. They're, they're essentially usually the money grab. Yeah, the best video game movies are the ones that aren't actually about games. Like Wreck-It Ralph is a, a game a, a about movie video game a, culture. Yeah, and uh, Hardcore Henry uses a lot of video game sort of tropes and things, but it's a, a unique story that works in its medium of film. So like, it I'd, feels very gamey, but it is you know genuinely a movie. And um, I would uh, say it uh, works the other way around. Uh, the Ghostbusters uh, game from several years ago. It's set in the uh, 80s uh, Ghostbusters universe, but it doesn't really follow any of the movies. It's its own story. It, well, it supposedly uh, has a lot of plot points from what would have been Ghostbusters 3 if we didn't get the abortion that w- was last year. But it still has its own elements. They bring in gameplay elements. They uh, tie in, you know, why you're essentially a nameless, uh, you know, guy. You know, it's uh, Bill Murray saying, well, don't get too attached to him. Uh, remember what happened to the last one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's just, it worked. Yeah. And granted, you do get the rare instances that a video game uh, about a movie that follows, or at least somewhat follows the movie, yeah, it works. See GoldenEye as probably the prime example of this. Yeah. But even then, they take a lot of license with the movie. Yeah, they do. Um, i trying to think of some other good video game movies. Uh, I... There's some contention over the Warcraft movie, but I thought it was genuinely a good video game movie. So I haven't seen it. Um, I love the Resident Evil movies, but they have kind of become their own sort of thing. Only the first two were really based on the games, and then they went their own way. Um, but I love them. <laughs> well, if you follow uh, that logic, uh, Mortal Kombat... The first Mortal Kombat movie yeah, was pretty the, good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it had some amazing uh, uh, special effects for the time. Yeah, uh, but granted, uh, yeah, not really following what what story there is in the original Mortal Kombat games. And but it was it's really its own thing. Mortal Kombat Two was terrible though. The movie, bad movie. Uh, the Tomb Raider movie. movies are really bad, too. I never really watched the Tomb Raider movies. They're not good movies. I mean, they're, they've are they got some fun bits, and, like, Angelina Jolie is incredibly attractive in those movies. Uh, but outside of what, that... more? But outside of that, they're just not good movies. And unfortunately, they're not so bad they're good. They're just boring, generic, average movies. Although they do have a lot of fun, silly continuity errors in them. So that you can make a game out of it, but they're not good movies. Uh, I, I sorry, every time I uh, hear you say movies in, uh, with uh, Tomb Raider, I keep hearing boobies. <laughs> boobies. I mean, that's... I, I can't imagine why. 
raiding raiding tombs and big breastuses is what uh, Laura Croft is known for. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah, this okay. was just one of those yeah really quick uh, stories. It's just yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I think we've been on this one for far longer though than we intended to. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay, it, let's. It, what, what we got sidetracked? There's a surprise. What else is new? Yeah. So let's move on to our, our final news topic uh, of today, which is PETA whines at Nintendo over yeah, the milking I minigame. may from... have uh, editorialized that title, but eh, it works. Yeah. What's the actual title say? PETA is angry that uh, Nintendo uh, turned cow making into a one-two switch game. Which, honestly, I think everyone's a little angry at Nintendo turning uh, things into the one-two switch games. But that's mostly because the 1-2 Switch games are kind of bleh. Yeah. They should have so, been the pack-in game that they weren't. Yeah, really. Okay, so they have the letter that they sent to Nintendo here. Shall I read this? Knock yourself out. <laughs> Dear Nintendo. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> I'm writing on behalf of the people for the uh, eating of tasty animals. Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. Wrong PETA. That's the one I support. Uh, <laughs> the people for the ethical treatment of animals. PETA. Not the bread. And are more than 5 million uh, suckers, uh, members, and supporters worldwide. Our staffers and activists have been whining recently, oh, sorry, have been playing recently the cow milking minigame for the Nintendo Switch and realized that you've taken all the cruelty out of milking. We applaud you for this. Oh, wait. Uh, We have more than 33 years of experience investigating dairy farms and whining about video games where cows have been exploited for their milk. And it is never that pleasant for these animals. Can you have some realism here, please? And I'm just going to stop there and think. Realism, please. Um. Peter, uh. <laughs> is this really that high on your to do list? Apparently it is. I mean, I remember you having an utter shit fit about the clubbing of seals in World of Warcraft. At least I think it was a clubbing seal quest. To the point that you actually boycotted on one of the servers. And people showed up to this little boycott. And they started putting down feasts of roasted pigs. (laughs) (laughs) didn't you learn then that you're taking this a little too far plus are you sure that the milking is that unpleasant for the cows I mean have you asked the cow (laughs) well I I said this one before we started recording when we talked about this but uh, I have milked goats and cows and uh, they do enjoy it when they haven't been milked in a while because it's like this huge pressure like builds up and it's really uncomfortable for them and so whenever you milk them it relieves the pressure also the same thing happens for women who breastfeed 
Well, shall we continue with the letter? Yes, I love how I just like killed whatever it was that you were doing <laughs> with some facts and realism. There's your realism, PETA. I, I do want to... PETA is stupid, and I hate PETA. I don't uh, PETA, have a problem with people uh, who want to treat animals oh, better. Oh, oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is but, that PETA is a feel-good organization. They yeah. don't do a fucking thing. Yep. Exactly. I mean, That's what honestly, I was about to say. Honestly, they go against what they preach far more than they actually do help. There's... Statistics out there that say that they kill a vast majority of the animals that they rescue because it is kinder to them than to try to make them the slaves of the man. Okay, I may be paraphrasing a little bit, but that's I was gonna say, pretty are you, much. Are you becoming a feminist or? Uh, well, th- ah, they see what said, I did well, there. Well, ah. Third wave well, feminism. The- it sucks, yo. <laughs> it's nearly as whiny as PETA. If you want to write your letters, letters about what I just said, please send them to VGLpodcast uh, at gmail.com. I'd love to talk, to argue with you about modern day well, feminism. Well, to be fair, we are uh, recording this on Equal Pay Day. Oh yeah, which Trump uh, repealed the Equal Pay Act or whatever it was that that Obama put in place. So, oh, he did. I didn't see that one. That happened today. Oh, sorry, I've been uh, too worried about uh, sanitizing my search tree. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I genuinely am using a VPN a lot more these days. But that's, I think, stories for another time. Uh, but let's see. Following the announcement that you've accepted Billings Farms Museum's challenge, we're hoping you'll listen to some of our feedback as well. And now here's where things start to get a little crazy. (laughs) Okay. To stimulate the milking accuracy, one two switch should need to show all aspects of dairy farming, including the violent insemination of female cows on what the dairy industry itself refers to as the rape rack. I'm just going to pause there for effect. Yeah. I'm just shaking my head. Cows produce milk to feed their babies, but their young are torn away from them as soon after birth so that human beings could use their milk instead. A mother cow will bellow for a calf for days after the baby is taken away. Yeah, that's not true. Perhaps you... You could add these sounds to your game in order to remind players that they that by drinking milk, people support an industry that support that separates mothers from their babies. Ooh. Can you tell I'm not taking this seriously, by the way? Can't tell at all. I thought you were giving <laughs> this your full undivided concentration. <laughs> We'd be happy to provide you with video footage of the filthy conditions that cows endure on farms for you to include in your game, because I'm sure Nintendo would love to uh, to include that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Granted, uh, PETA usually finds the absolute worst, uh, uh, most in- inhumane farms and call it the industry standard, but that's beside the point. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you think that 
the gruesome uh, nature of this world is too upsetting. We suggest, instead of sugarcutting the subject, Nintendo Switch. See, see what but, they um, did there? To stimulating activities in which no animals suffer. For example, an almond milk minigame in which you pick almonds could be quite fun. Sorry, I've seen a Super Tofu Boy. I'm going to disagree that of your concept of fun. Granted, uh, the fact that uh, M.M. McMillan put uh, Super Tofu Boy into Super Meat Boy is fucking awesome. And actually the reason why I originally bought that game. And you're quickly Googling this game now. Right? I've never seen Super Tofu Boy. It's essentially their version of Super Meat Boy. Because, you know, uh, a skinless boy, uh, you know, is obviously uh, a terrible, terrible thing to have. Tofu Boy has an inflated ego, is not actually as effective as he thinks he is. With the lowest speed and jumping height of all characters due to a major iron deficiency, <laughs> Tofu Boy is virtually useless. <laughs> oh. Super Tofu, uh, uh, Tofu Boy and Super Meat Boy can complete two, maybe three levels. And that is, yeah, being generous and extremely tougher than <laughs> any other characters. But uh, uh, just, uh, how do you unlock Super Tofu Boy and Super Meat Boy? <laughs> he can be playable by typing pedophile in the character selection <laughs> screen, then selecting any character at the character selection screen. That's hilarious. But anyway, uh, they, they finally uh, finish this off. Is your team brave enough to face the truth? Oh no, Peter, are you? <laughs> Probably not. And my favorite thing about this is that they they typed it, alright, mm -hmm. fair enough. Then they printed it on a piece of paper with mm -hmm. their letterhead on it and took a picture of the paper and then posted that. Peter, you killed a tree. And uh, trees are a very important part of many animal ecosystems. And you just destroyed an animal ecosystem. Maybe well, a squirrel's little house or a nesting place for a wood owl. PETA. Or this could have been the uh, part of the stick uh, that stuck up angered in Newkurt's ass. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Uh, it's just... Really, PETA? Really? <laughs> what what is there to say to this? I mean, what the fuck? Uh, I can say that this is another section that drag, drug on way longer than we thought it would. <laughs> Mostly because uh, uh, me reading the letter, but it's just uh, you can't not read it. Yeah, I mean they included the term rape rack. How can you avoid that? Okay. Let's see what happens when I type rape rack into Google. Uh, Donald Trump gets hard. Rape. Oh. Rape rack. Uh, I have a feeling that if this is an industry term, it's, you know, uh, the term that, you know, the farmhands use that, you know, the rather idiot ones that you know are lacking a few chromosomes. There are a lot of pictures of people shoving their arms into cow vaginas. Uh, the first few sites are 
PETA like, related? Uh, yeah, or other types of like extreme animal activist sites. Uh, what is this? Behind the myth. Oh happy boy. cows behind go. the myth. This is not going to go to a happy place, is it? Oh, no, this is the cow rape portion of the podcast. Yeah, this is another one of those sites. Pit of despair. What's this? <laughs> uh, pit that's of dis- uh, uh, pit of despair. That's um, the company meeting for PETA. The pit of despair was a name used by American comparative psychologist Harry Harlow. I know that name, but I've never heard of the pit of despair. Uh, oh, that's because they completely made it up, and they're just attributing it to the- him. The device he designed, technically called a vertical chamber apparatus, was used in experience, uh, experiments of rhesus monkeys at the University of Wisconsin in the 1970s. The aim was to produce an animal model of clinical depression. Blah, 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 blah. So they uh, had him uh, adopted by a PETA member. Pit of dis- oh, also called the Dungeon of Despair. I'm pretty sure I read it there once. Oh, I know what. The, okay, I recognize this from one of my history of psychology textbooks. Now that I'm looking at the pictures on it, it had like little slippery slides inside, and they took monkeys away from their moms to baby monkeys to try and study depression in animals and see if it existed. And it, like the mom was on one end, and the baby couldn't get to the mom. Like it could try, like there was like um, little slow, uh, like slides and things that it could try to climb up, but they were such a steep animal that the baby monkeys couldn't climb them. So there you go. There's your psychology lesson t- for for today. A lot of interesting studies done in the '60s and '70s before there were uh, rules and regulations governing that sort of thing. Yeah, but of course, uh, Peter uh, latches onto those because you know the fact that there's uh, ethics today. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't uh, factor into Peter's worldview. Yeah, but then again, Peter, is your team brave enough to face the truth? So yeah, turned it back on them. Way to go, way to go. Now I'm thinking about like all the interesting experiments that happened in the 50s, 60s, and 70s before regulations came in and took place, and I'm like wanting to go on a psychology tangent but we shouldn't because i do still need to go to bed and get up and do things tomorrow so let's uh, uh you kind of uh, i kind of want you to go on a, a psychology tangent on ingrid newkirk because she is fucking bad shit uh crazy actually she's fucking bad shit as well uh, i'm pretty sure that they eat it you know they love their guano that poo is uh a very common ingredient in makeup Many mascaras and face masks use bat poo. And also, Peter Letterheads. Apparently so. Alright, let's move on to our next topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah is there anything to talk about here on me? No, they're this stupid. Is more just and... making, this is just making fun of uh, Peter, really. But, yeah, they're, they're asking for it. This was, this was, let me, we'll peel back the curtain a little bit. This was filler content, because we were worried we wouldn't make the time. And this is catharsis, because... Damn, it feels good to make fun of PETA and make f- and yell about uh, stupid developers after you know uh, some of the bullshit. <laughs> you know, it's nice to yell. It's nice to say the word "fuck" every so often. Fuck. Indeed. 
All right, let's move on to community corner, which shouldn't take very long. Well, we received uh, no at least in that theory, no letters this week, uh, only tweets and responses to question of the week. So, well, uh, actually, tweet. But uh, yeah, let's do the question of the week first. If you had your choice, what game would you induct in the video game Hall of Fame, and why? This was uh, talking about the video game Hall of Fame from last week. Uh, Kyle Tetris, made with Soviet tech and still played today. Um, Kyle, uh, you got your wish. Um, you, you kind of wasted your wish, didn't you? Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Tetris already in the Video Game Hall of Fame? Yeah, uh, Kyle, uh, way to waste your wish there. Yep, it was added in 2015, according to the Wikipedia page. And also, one of the heaviest, uh, well, ripped off games, because, you know, it was a, a Soviet copyright, so, you know, who the fuck cared uh, back in the day? Yeah. Uh, let's see, Chemist, Counter-Strike uh, 1.6, any Elder Scrolls, uh, f- slash Fallout, uh, Need for Speed Underground 2, Original Prince of Persia, or Super Smash Brothers. All really good uh, choices. I would say probably one of the older Elder Scrolls, really, more than anything else, though. Just because they uh, really laid the bedrock for it, or definitely one of the older Fallout games. Yeah. Uh, Prince of I Persia like- is... Uh, pretty uh a uh, pretty good choice but also uh the prince of persia series is kind of dialed off yeah there hasn't been a new prince of persia game in a while i think the last new prince of persia thing was the disney movie from what four years ago there's didn't another video game they, movie that's all right didn't realize they made a prince of persia movie yeah it's all right it's not great but it's all right well there's great praise for you <laughs> it's all right it's all right hey for uh, video there, game there, movies there, that's pretty good <laughs> Uh, there's the uh, uh, there's what you could put on uh, the poster VGL podcast eh, it's alright <laughs> it, it didn't want to make me uh, jab a fork in my eye okay uh, be cool uh, Farmville for showing the masses the, the greatness of microtransactions to get uh, fake currency that can be used to overcome arbitrary time games okay for, uh, real answer Top Fighter it was the best space combat uh, genre added uh, to uh, X-Wing sp- uh, slash Space Commander and made uh, being the bad guys realistic. Which I didn't really consider uh, arcade games for a long time. That was the driving force in video gaming. Yeah. I, I like the the X-Wing and TIE Fighter series games. Let's see. Jim, Dune 2. It essentially created the RTS formula that's been used ever since, and that's a game I completely forgot about. Yeah, Jim's answer I is never, my favorite answer. Yeah, I never uh, really played it, though. It's one of those games that I know of, and I think going back to is pretty much impossible at this point. Yeah, it does not play well with modern hardware. Uh, there, I think there's some emulators for it, or you could run it in DOSBox, maybe. But... It and doesn't. Then, let's see. Groove. No Man's Sky. Best multiplayer game ever in awesome, diverse universe. Groove. Go to your room. Back to the crate for you. How'd you get out? Well, I thought I smelled uh, rancid jambalaya. <laughs> but that's all the question of the week answers. And we had one tweet, uh, at least that I found. Well, we did have uh, Chemist uh, talking to us about the RSS feed, but that's some inside baseball stuff, and I don't think you'd really want to hear about that. 
Uh, Kyle, what would you say is the ideal price for Kerbal Space Program? What would you say is the ideal price for Kerbal Space Program? Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I do think Kerbal uh, is way overpriced for what it is right now. I mean, it's a $40 game. I think Kerbal's a good $20, $20 game. Yeah, I was going to say 20 to $25. It, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is it really depends on how you price your games. Because uh, Kerbal is, well, technically a simulator game. Even though it kind of fakes some of the physics uh, quite a bit. Uh, and simulators are usually a, a premium to begin with. And it's also technically an educational game, which also is usually a premium. So that's why, you know, I was pushing up another five bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think KSP is a 20, maybe $25 game. I mean, there is a lot of stuff there, but it's a very niche product. It's, yeah, it's a very niche product. And also, it's a game that if you don't uh, get over the curve to start off with, there's not a lot there. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it becomes instead of a space exploration game, a blowing up the VAB game, right? So yeah, and, I mean, and it does require a, a lot of understanding. I mean, uh, to the point where you start watching uh, about space. Or uh, a little tangent is that I turned on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, Sunday and caught the Sunday movie, and thought. Holy shit, ever since I played Kerbal, I cannot watch these anymore. Yeah, I have that problem with everything I watch now, because Kerbal genuinely taught me rocket science. Like, I, well, I guess Kerbal itself didn't teach me, but in order to to learn the game and and basically get good at it, uh, I had to learn rocket science to play Kerbal and orbital mechanics and things like that. So I can't watch any space movie now and go, yeah, that's not how it works. I don't, I don't know how you're actually controlling that ship. That's not how, that's not how orbits work. Well, well no, 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 so. no, no, no. They were talking, uh, they were uh, uh, buzzing this asteroid, and the computer voice that I was talking about the heat shield. It's like, why are you so concerned about your heat shield right now? <laughs> Asteroids don't have atmospheres, so you wouldn't uh, need a heat shield. Better yet, um, why is your spaceship vibrating like that? Um, you may want to go uh, have the engineers take a look at that because your R RCS system seems to be a little jank if it uh, vibrates like that whenever you're trying to perform a maneuver. Better yet, how are you... Uh, no, no, I don't want to know how you're communicating in real time whenever you're beyond the moon. Yeah. And better yet, how is hacking uh, uh, this uh, satellite dish supposed to divert this... Well, actually, it was Mercury. It wasn't a, an asteroid in this movie. How is it supposed to divert Mercury that's been slung out of its orbit? And better yet, if Mercury's been slung out of its orbit, that's the least of our problems. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that means bad things are going down. Indeed. Yeah. 25 bucks. I've talked myself into 25 bucks for sure now. But no more than that because of just how niche it is. Yeah, it is a very expensive... Uh, it's on the expensive side of the indie games. Uh, that's for sure. 
But honestly, they sold a lot of their other copies before they hit the $40 mark. Yeah. And they routinely go on sale to the about the 15 buck mark, which is, uh, to me, a good deal. And uh, I do completely agree with some of the negative reviews on it, talking about how the learning curve just it's doesn't teach you how to play it, which is completely fair. Yeah. Okie doke. So uh, that's it for the community corner. If you wish to send in uh, anything, or have or read or listen to your letters, or tweet at us, you could email us vglpodcast at gmail dot com or tweet us at vglpodcast on Twitter. Alrighty. Uh, what's our recording time at? Because you keep the timer. Uh, two and a half hours. Okay. Uh, we'll see. We were going to do two discovery cues because, but because we went long on every single section, uh, we'll see how long it takes us to do one. All right. So we may or may not do two. But let me pull up. And and we'll see if uh, you remember to do the fun bed music that I found. Yes. Uh, I have the music and I think I will have the time to do what we said uh, and make a loop of it and get it put in. But yeah, well, my first game right off the bat. Uh, well, here's the thing is that. Since you could see the uh, first game or two in the discovery queue, uh, I've been seeing this, and I've been saving my discovery queue. Fallout Shelter. No, thank you. (laughs) Oh, why not? Because I played it before, and I lost my save, and I have no interest in playing it on Steam. Fair enough. Let's see. Well, here's a game that'll make uh, Kyle rock hard. Explain 11. Oh, Explain 11 is on my list, too. That's the first game on my list. Yeah, actually, really good graphics on this. It looks looks nice. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of the flight simulators, though. Uh, and suddenly, uh, Kyle is thrown into a fit of rage. I mean, they're fun. I've played them, and I, I do like them, but when it comes uh, to it's Sims... Not something that, it's not something that I would uh, put down 60 bucks for. I'm, for simulators, I'm more on the KSP or simple plane side of things. Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to Sims, for me, I go trains all the way. So, choo choo, motherfucker. Let's see. Uh, Thimbleweed Park, another one for me. Uh, looks like a knockoff of, uh, well, they say, uh, uh, from the creators of Monkey Island and Maniac Mansion. Well, there's a pedigree right there. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that's Bullard's Golly, or at least supposed to be. And it has a very old school. Uh, look to uh, the point and click adventure where it has the open, close, give, pick up, look at, talk to, push, pull, use uh, commands down at the bottom with a inventory. Boy, I'm picking up what, a lot of games. Today. What'd you say this game was called? Uh, Thimbleweed Park. I just put the link in the notes. Thimbleweed I just have it. Uh, Park. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. That looks interesting. Yeah, I'll put that on my wish list. To just sit there for forever, basically. Yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm glad you're getting some good stuff. <coughs> so far, oh, I got well, Jack. Uh, here's another one. This looks like essentially Final Fantasy Tactics. Only okay. well, not not with Final Fantasy, of course, but it has the turn-based elements of the combat. I'll uh, drop the link first. Oh, the show notes are going to be a pain in the ass for me to make this week. It's called Rimberta. Or Rimberta. Oh, 
Oh, of course, it's a VR game. Shit. Oh, it is? No, 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 no. This game on my list that I was getting oh, I, all I was excited ab- for. I, I was about to say, wait. Uh, this doesn't look VR. Yeah. Project Lux. The crime is murder. Our story takes place in a court trial set in a futuristic world where most humans have cyber brains. The defendant on trial is an agent who coordinates with artists to create the data for cyber brains to interact with people's emotions. The victim is a girl artist named Lux. And it looks like a really nice and like, she's sort of, out of it. cutesy anime sort of, I don't know, court ace attorney type. I don't know. It just looks fascinating. It looks really pretty. Great art style. Neat idea. VR. Yeah, and it's uh, it's required, not an optional. Yeah, it's been uh, it's starting to get to the point where VR is actually getting some games that are more than just experiences. Yeah. <gasps> Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy Telltale on my wish list. You go. Love Guardians of the Galaxy. Love Telltale games. I've been excited for this for a while now, uh, but I guess it's on Steam. Available April eighteenth. Pretty close to my birthday. But unfortunately, it will be the first episode, so I shan't be playing it then. I always wait for the whole thing to release and then buy it. And that is it for my queue. Uh, what Guns of Icarus? Oh, Guns of Icarus Alliance. Yeah, that's the uh, new one. Oh, okay. I, I really enjoy the original Guns of Icarus. Um, yeah, I enjoyed what I played of it, just didn't get to play too much of it because it's a very small community and they, you know, played a lot of it. I'll put this on the list. So, do we want to do a second one? I'm not even through mine yet. Well, I'm done. Uh, I have five games left in my queue. Let's see. I'll lightning around this a little bit, and I think we have enough time to do a second one. A game looks like garbage. What is this? Mirage Arcane Warfare. Uh, from Oh! From the creators of Chivalry Medieval Warfare. But it's like a magic version of that. That looks cool. Oh yeah, I've uh, seen some uh, stuff for that, but not really dove into the game just yet. What's it called? Mirage Arcane Warfare. Yep. Not necessarily a full-blown recommendation, because can't play it yet, but looks cool. Put that on the wish list. What is this? Yeah, it doesn't look interesting. That uh, 3D platformer, definitely not in my... On the road. At least it's not a 2D. Oh, another truck simulator. I'm good with Euro Truck Simulator. Uh, does this one uh, look shit or? It looks okay. It looks like Euro Truck One. Um, let's see, realistic truck simulator. Use the early access phase. Oh, is this is? I think this is made by a German company. Of course they are. Which what they is do it tons the, of these simulator games. Yeah, yeah, what is it with the Germans and the simulators? Could someone explain that to me? I mean, well, they're not uh, invading Poland. They're um, making simulators. Invading Poland. <laughs> we can do another one real quick if you want to. 
All right. That uh, went pretty fast. Make, make make show notes just a complete hassle for me. Sure. Yeah, sure. Give you some some more work. Last man standing. Well, I got Guns of Vic Rest Alliance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so this looks like that. another oh, one of these oh. Hunger Games-esque he, games. Domina. Uh, I've watched Total Biscuit do a video on this. Amazing Domina. game, except for one teeny flaw. What? The complete and utter lack of a save system. Oh, is Domina the Gladiator? Yeah. yeah. I've seen some videos of this. It looks amazing. Yeah, it looks amazing. It uh, it plays yeah like your typical uh, uh, clicker esque um, uh, uh, simulation strategy game. No save system makes an instant no sale for me. Wait, like there's no there's no way to save the game. Period. Well, that's an you a have problem. To, you have to play from start to finish, and TB did a stream of three hours of it. And he wasn't even a quarter of the way done. Dang. Granted, he was uh, yeah spending some extra time on it, but uh, the the dev was saying, "Well, you could beat it in an hour or two. Well, you know, TB said, "Well, maybe you can." Yeah, there's not even a pause feature. It's got massive negative uh, or uh, negative reviews. With it's like this game it looks awesome, like all these awesome things. But you can't save, so this is terrible. Yeah. I assume they'll fix that right quick, fast, and in a jiffy. They better. Let's see. Uh, next one I got. Uh, I didn't put Domino on my list because eh, it's one of those things. If they can fi- uh, fix it, then I'll uh, definitely recommend it, but not till then. Got Lego City Undercover, a, a, a couple year old port uh, that runs absolutely terribly which is uh, a shame because I would actually like to pick up a, a Lego game at some point Lego City I, I like the Lego games um, well this is a, a non themed one well uh, well, it is technically themed but it's not one of their franchises that they have licenses for This is a terrible cover image. Affliction. This automatically, or like, this feels like a, a Steam garbage asset flip type game. Fake game. Fake game. That's just like, it's kind of a creepy oh, picture. I got Bulletstorm uh, Full Clip Addiction. Which supposedly, if this sells really well, it uh, will uh, get another game in the series, but... Uh... Uh, the previous Bulletstorm was held back by a crappy DRM, and guess what? They didn't learn a fucking thing. Bulletstorm's a fun game, though. Although I played it on Xbox, so I didn't have to worry about any of that. Oh, boy. Got ukulele. Yeah, I've heard a lot of bad things about ukulele, which uh, is really I, it's sad. It's very polarizing. Uh, I think that's the best way I could say it. But here's the thing, is that people are letting their politics get way, way too invested in their reviews. I mean, I understand uh, uh, punishing a, a game dev for business practices, but uh, th- there's just uh, there's a lot of shit going on in the background of this that uh, we can't even begin to cover because there's just so much of it. Yeah, this looks fun. Has been heroes. Uh, I watched TB do a video of it earlier. I, it possibly, but there's just some. Uh, 
I, I, it's one of those games that I would have to play first, I think. And that's the thing. Yeah, the art style looks super cute. Uh, and I like this kind of silly premise. Uh, the goal is to escort the king's prince, twin princesses to school. <laughs> Which I think is cute. I'm going to put it on the list. I'm going to put it on the list. All right. What in the hell is this? Okay. Uh, this looks like some sort of uh, almost Monster Rancher-esque game, but they don't want to call it Monster Rancher. Uh, the combat looks absolutely shitty. <laughs> uh, you wake up on an unknown place, which turns out to be another world, because we can't think of anything else. <laughs> Open the dimension gate once more to return to your own world. That's the entire story line of the <laughs> store page. Oh, okay. oh, this, oh, this explains it. The community helped pick this title. Green light. <laughs> oh, oh, here is something interesting. Beat Cop. Oh, I've seen some stuff about that game. It looks neat. Yeah, this um, is. I like the uh, premise. Yeah, it's supposed to be a very uh, Papers, Please-esque on how you have to handle some of your uh, daily tasks while also running uh, uh, through the storyline. It's I'm going to put it on the list because it's one of those games I want to play, but at the same time, I'm not rushing out to spend 15 bucks on it. Right. I mean, it is going to go on the wish list, though, uh, because, yeah... And the thing is that also, uh, well, they're supposedly really playing up the uh, theme of the uh, the eighties uh, cop movie. Uh, and I played a game like that not too long ago. Yeah, we are the police. So if they could uh, handle the theme really well, then yeah, uh, I'd love to play it. Granted, yeah. I didn't really care for Papers Please just because there was too much for me to juggle. And I just didn't find it that enjoyable. So it really comes down to just how bad it is. Because I'm looking at some of the screenshots. Um, uh, you're getting uh, uh, knocked on your performance because you didn't respond to a theft at a, a, a particular place on your beat. I didn't uh, respect, uh, respond uh, lawfully to the uh, fire. Uh, but he responded lawfully to... Uh, when he patrolled the entire street, he stopped an ex- extortion attempt at one store. So, yeah, there's a lot to watch. And I'm not sure if that, you know, would be for me, though. Yeah. It looks neat, though. So I'm through my queue. I just, most of my games in this queue were, uh, yeah, like asset trash. flip type games. So, yeah, a lot of mine were trash. I, my entire queue was Beat Cop. So, good thing we, uh, you know, got that out of the way. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, uh, it's time for us to wrap up the show. Uh, which means that this is the part of the show where I go first. Uh, and what's coming up on my channel? So far, still nothing. Even though all of like the emergency panicky period is over, I'm still gone uh, like 13 or 14 hours a day from my house right now just because of the added commute. Like My commute went from being like, yeah, 25 minutes on a bad day to... Uh, bare minimum an hour depending on how far I have to go 
for the the clients that I'm seeing in their homes instead of the clinic. So uh, I do I do outpatient therapy. And how many uh, cats you have to step over? Yeah. So far, none of that, but I'm sure there will be some that some that have some not so nice places to live. Uh, but I get paid more for that, so I can I can live with it. Anyways, uh, so on the channel, probably still nothing this week. I'm just going to be honest, probably still nothing. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I got a lot of ideas uh, and a lot of videos to release, but I just haven't had time to do any rendering and editing and stuff. So probably still nothing. And I do apologize for the continuingly very slow number of, of subs that I'm getting. I have gained another two since last week. So... I hope you enjoy the older videos that I have. <laughs> uh, if you want to go watch those older videos, and for some reason, if you want to go stare at the podcast on YouTube, or perhaps you do watch the podcast on YouTube, you got there by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Uh, if you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, which may or may not be coming back this week, because even if we do all get together on Friday, we're doing character creation night for our new Star Wars RPG game. And I don't know if I'll stream that or not, like, there's no gameplay there, it's just all of us sitting around talking and making characters, but who knows, I might, regardless, if you want to watch me stream games when they do come back, you can do so at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I did those out of order, if you want to follow me on Twitter, where I tweet about all kinds of random things, uh, not so much this past week because of everything that's been going on, but I promise I'll get back to those sweet, sweet political tweets soon enough. Oh, don't worry. Trump's done some stupid things in the last day or so, so I'm sure you got uh, something to complain about. Yes, indeed. You can maybe you can maybe. follow the follow me there at JMA four seven zero seven. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, uh, I accept all Steam friend requests and just assume that they're all awesome people. And so far, no one has proven me wrong. My Steam username is jarthur four seven zero seven. And if you wish to let me know exactly. What episode of the podcast do you listen to to Adam? The password for this week is utter. <laughs> That's utter, U-D-D-E-R, I assume. Yep. Not utter. Also known as what triggers PETA, it seems. Cow boobies. Mm, no, nah, let's stick with utter. You know, be scientific about this. Right, right. Cow babies will be next week. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Actually, I'm not promising that because I have a long list of words. Fair enough. And so, honestly, uh, I, the the list grows faster than I could use it. Okay, so my channel. Oh, uh, last week I didn't have the Sunday sampler or the video Rachel said. I was mostly giving Jared some lead way because. He was buried under a mountain of paperwork, and I figure, you know, having to only record one episode of Divinity is a lot easier than having to record two. You know, it's twice the work, you know, it's a simple mathematics there. So I held on to the last episode I had of Divinity Original Sin that will be going out, well, for us today. Uh, you can find that on Gaming with Caffeine Rage, that'll uh, be going up. Uh, somehow, RimWorld is still ongoing with the Victims of Circumstance. Don't ask me how. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. I'm at 30 hours on this uh, series. 
my previous uh, series were under half this. This is really going to mess up my average. (laughs) (laughs) And completely makes up for that one where I had four episodes and uh, I pointed out, you know, I should really do this. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to enact that. And exactly what I pointed out uh, ended up costing me the colony. But at least I called it, right? Indeed. Called it. And uh, Halo Combat Evolved is... Well, uh, well, to give you an idea where I am, I am at the Silent Cartographer. And Jared could probably tell you exactly where I am in the game. Uh, you mean the uh, Silent Cartographer? Yep. Nice. Yeah, sadly I'm behind on watching the Halo videos. But yeah, I noticed because I'm not getting any views on them. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna watch them. I'm gonna get there uh, and uh, critique all the bad moves I'm doing. Uh, actually, uh, the last few episodes I've recorded uh, uh, changed my gameplay to be more grenade based. That's a good step. Yo, explosions! Yo, uh, throw a spider at him. <laughs> It's a nice red versus blue reference there. <laughs> oh, well, you can find all that, uh, including the podcast, uh, Fridays at noon, at Gaming with Caffeine Rage. And you could uh, also catch me on Twitter, mostly bitching about the end card system because I'm trying to figure out exactly how to make something look decent with it. Turns out the end card system sucks. Well, unless you want to make something that looks exactly like every single other fucking end card on YouTube. Then it's excellent. But I don't want to do that. So it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can find that over at Gaming of CR on Twitter. Oh, Um, even though I'm not exactly sure why you'd want to see me bitch about uh, my ink cards, but yeah, inside baseball stuff. I mean, you put up with Jared tweeting about uh, Trump, right? Yes, I actually have gotten more followers (laughs) <laughs> since I bitch about Trump all the time can't imagine why uh, so uh, once again if you want to contact us on the podcast if you somehow got amnesia since the last time I've said this you can find us at VGL Podcast on Twitter or email us VGL Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics or miscellaneous things Especially the miscellaneous things, by the way. <laughs> if you wish to pay for this absolute nonsense, you could help support the podcast with our Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube or wherever else Jared has uh, somehow gotten the RSS feed to work, somehow, you can find us over at bglpodcast.podbean.com as well as iTunes or Google Play if you haven't found us there already. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work in Computech.com, and we have more music, which I didn't write down the name of, and I'm not going to say just because uh, Jared may not use it, but it's also from Kevin McLeod, and it's some of his newer stuff. (laughs) Being mysterious, but still covering copyright. And as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. <laughs> bye bye now. Uh, see ya. Bye bye.